Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is week 59, and wow, what a time it has been. Multiple weeks off due to Matt traveling, myself traveling. Matt was doing good in the world by helping out some hurricane disaster relief going on down in Louisiana. But uh, we are back with an awesome episode tonight. Two of our guests are going to be making their debut on the Nick and Matt show. And Matt, I'm super excited for it. How are you feeling? Matt, you're muted. Thank Hold you. Hold on one second. There That's we good. go. Yeah, I don't know. That's never happened nice. before, right? <laughs> That's weird. That was actually a uh, software mute. Okay. So answering your question, I am really excited about the show. In fact, I was just telling you literally like seconds or minutes ago now at this point, I was like, man, having time off kind of makes the show feel so fresh to us. But it mm -hmm. was really I felt kind of bad. I was like, man, we always bring the disc golf talk. Not that we're the best in the world, but there's got to be that empty void a little bit of people waking up on what day is this? Monday? <laughs> waking up on mm -hmm. Tuesday. Yeah, I know, right? And yeah. being like, where's the upload, right? And yep. and then the next week, where's the upload? If you guys are curious and girls, follow our social media. We try to at least give some warning if something's going down. Um mm -hmm. So Nick, for me, and I apologize now, I have had about 15 days straight of, you ready for this? 16 hour days, no days off. Um, that's not a complaint. That's me saying, I don't know what day it is. I don't really know what time it is, um, but I'm ready to talk disc golf. I've been able to follow mm -hmm. a little bit. The, the, the cell service was a little bit bad down there. I was way down for anyone who doesn't know in Louisiana, way, way down, like there's an island out there in the Gulf called Grand Isle. Totally devastated, absolutely, by this hurricane. Uh, and our company is down there helping put it all back up. So that's where I was. Um, I am excited to be back. And I just got to give a quick shout out. I'll put them up on camera real quick. Evan, wave at the camera. You're on. How's it going? So Evan is in studio from, where are you from? Uh, Massachusetts. And Statmando. Statmando. <laughs> that's right. So Statmando's in the house officially. And Evan, real quick, let me ask this question or tell you, people in our chat have asked like fairly recently, they've said like, how, who is Statmando? Like they're so big all of a sudden, like we're seeing them everywhere. Like, what is this? And so just give us the quick like elevator. Like, who are you? And what do you guys do? Well, our name tries to start telling it where we're, uh, we're telling the stats disc golf. Uh, we, we all like stats. There's three of us, uh, Dion and Hans are the other two, uh, including myself. And we just all have a passion for stats and just teamed up, uh, early this year and have been working it ever since. And we got a website up and you can check out cool stats there, statmando.com. Uh, and we're just trying to fill whatever interest we have in the stat world of disc golf and put it all together for you guys. Yeah, and it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, for the people who are able to see it in person at the MVP Open, just the amount of stats that they're able to do, they're radaring people's throws on hole eight, hole six, hole 18. Where's the best landing zone on hole 18? How are people getting birdies on hole eight, forehand or backhand? Just the amount of effort that they were putting in at MVP Open was insane. They had a computer up, laptop set up, so you could type in anything you want. How many times has a certain person been watched on YouTube? It, insane. 
Yeah, so shout-outs to them. We partnered up with them. We were probably right there with the first ever. Is that correct, Evan? Uh, I mean, yeah, first podcast. We're, I mean, still the only one that's getting our stats each first week. And but, uh, uh, yeah, it's been great. You saw it early on, and uh, we've been loving it, and it's just going really well. Cool. So we're going to do stat or fiction. Everyone knows by this point how that was born, so that was, that's, a good, that's a good segment. And yeah. um, so, really, I want to say, without further ado, because instead of teasing the points we're going to get to, let's just jump to the points we're going to get to. Um, let's go ahead and talk Music City Open. And mm-hmm. as Nick already said, we're going to get Mason on here, Mason Ford. Uh, if you don't know by this point, Mason won. <laughs> he won in a fairly awesome fashion. So Spoiler alert. So that's how it starts out, and it was a playoff versus Wysocki. Um, Nick, I was driving about 15 hours on Saturday, heading back towards New England, and I drove another, like, I don't know, 10 or whatever on Sunday, but I had Disc Golf Network playing audio, and then by the time I got back, I was able to see how it played out. But generally, what was the, what did you hear about Music City Open? Because I heard rumblings and social media and all different things. What, what, did, what was your general takeaway mm-hmm. from Music City Open this year as an NT finale? Um, as an NT finale, I did hear that it wasn't the best place to host an NT finale. Um, and I want to start off by saying this. This is not directed at the club who was helping run the event, helping volunteer-wise, anything like that. This isn't a knock on any of the volunteers whatsoever. Um, I think because of the standard that the Pro Tour has set up throughout the year and how nothing short of amazing the events at the Pro Tour have been and amazing staff, that sometimes when we go to these other Elite Series events, you know, for example, Worlds and now Music City Open, I wasn't personally at the event, but I heard a lot of more so negative comments towards the courses and just kind of like the preparation for the tournament. I think preparation was one of the biggest ones that I heard a lot about. And, you know, one of the other big issues was, you know, at us women's where the PDGA ran the us women's disc golf championships, the major, there was a lot of issues on the FPO side. And then same thing here at music city open. I have, you know, a small little list that we'll talk about later on, Okay. but just some issues that happened pertaining the FPO side of disc golf. Um, But all in all, I mean, it created another drama-filled weekend. It was, you know, another new NT winner who won this event, Mason Ford, and then Haley King just dominating on the FPO side once again for the national tour events. So there's a lot of good things to take away from it, but I think a a few things are definitely going to get overshadowed by the negative things that I've heard about the event. Yeah, I think going into the event and maybe in the first round or two, I was like, here we go again. Like... NTs right now are getting the worst press ever. Like it's just mm-hmm. almost as if it's popular. And that's unfortunate because I think there is some popularity and I'm just saying it to the fact that certain players or players like just in general are like, Hey, it's not as good as the disc golf pro tour. So let's kind of give thumbs down to the NTs, which mm-hmm. just to offer a perspective on that. If the disc golf pro tour wasn't around, and I know this is all super hypothetical and some people hate that. I don't know that we would have ever seen like, oh, these are bad. We probably would have still considered them great. Um, but that's the way things work. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is pressing ahead so amazingly and setting the standard so high that it, honestly, it's shining a light 
in an unintended way. Like it's not on purpose. They're not like on purpose <laughs> shining a light on the NT, but it's happening and the NTs aren't getting the best press um, for how they are run. I saw somebody comment, for instance, like a day or two before this event, like it feels like a B tier. Like it's not set up. We don't know the layouts. I asked somebody in charge. They didn't know the layouts just generally. So, and that's, you know, one person's word, but. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want to make it, you know, an episode bashing the PDGA. I think that's happened a lot throughout the disc golf season. And I think it's happened a lot through different podcast platforms and everything like that. There definitely are a few things that we're going to bring up that was um, not great for the event, but I mean, there's a lot of positives. Like I said, you had another new winner crowned on the MPO side. There's a lot of great things that did come about from the event and there's things to take away from it. I think eventually this is going to turn into what is the next move for the PDGA and the national tour? Does the pro tour kind of kick in and take over everything or what happens at that point? Yeah. So let's kind of get into it here because we did just kind of give the feeling of the event, but it played out in an exciting way. And that's what we want to see. It started out, though, with your not usual contenders, if you will. I say usual. It's a changing mm-hmm. thing as we progress through disc golf, you know, here in the next year, two years or further. Your usual contenders are not going to be as regular. But I'm talking like Paul, Ricky, mm-hmm. okay, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, as the three rounds played out and the fourth round played out, you started to see those regular names. And so here's your just quick rundown. Mason obviously took it down. Ricky second. Adam third. Garrett fourth. I'm actually a little bit impressed and surprised with that. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Jones tied for fourth. Chris Dickerson tied for fourth, which by the way, and I don't know if Stat Mando has anything on this. That's the worst he's ever finished at this event. Is that true? Um, he won it three times and came in second another time. I could double check. Sure. What is uh, one it three he... times came in second. Oh, he, yeah. He's played four times, I believe. So yeah, yeah that'd be okay. his worst. Worst finish. That's not bad, right, Nick? Fourth place. Yeah, that's that's not too shabby. I mean, fourth place at even just eight tiers in general, having that being your worst place is not too bad. Right, and then Paul uh, tying for eighth, and I I mentioned that mm-hmm. because he had a pretty uphill battle to even get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good for him. Uh, and then FPO is Haley taking it down. This was pretty significant um, for a lot of reasons. What's your takeaway here, Nick, in the FPO division? What did you see? Because I saw some really interesting yeah. things. What do you got? No, I just, uh, I love I love watching Haley King play. I loved watching her incredible moments at uh, Green Mountain Championships, her throwing for Eagle for the first round on hole 18. Um, I love watching Haley play. I think she's an incredible player. I do love watching her success at a lot of these elite series events. And so for her to come back out and I think the final round, she started like five for five or six for six and just instantly put her foot on the gas and got a little lackluster. I think she was like seven down on the front and then a few over on the back nine, but she had enough wiggle room to where that was acceptable. Um, Sarah Hocum was putting on a pretty good charge. Actually, she did birdie a lot of the holes, I think on the back nine. So there was a lot of two stroke swings going on. But for the most part, Haley had built up enough of a lead to where it wasn't too much of an issue for her. So to see her come down the stretch, end up taking it down again, it also jumped up her UDISC ranking in the world ranking system that UDISC uses. We've talked about that with the UDISC guys, actually. Um, so now she's ranked number four, which I thought was pretty incredible. Sarah Hocum being the seventh uh, best ranked player on UDISC coming in at second place. And then Macy Veladiez, who was previously known as Macy Walker, 
Um, she just got married recently. So congratulations to her. She did finish third place. I think she is a Tennessee native. Um, so it's great to see her play in front of the home crowd, so to say, and play great at a national tour event. Katrina Allen, fourth place, which actually jumped her up into, I think, second or third place for the national tour standings. And then uh, I think one of the big shockers that we saw was Paige Pierce tying for 13th place at overall score plus four. So, I mean, she was 19 strokes back of Haley winning this event. Yeah, I'm actually kind of looking at the stats here as you talk, and you kind of really played it out really well there. Sarah did make a push. Um, Macy, by the way, I knew her as Macy Walker. Uh, mm -hmm. Evan, how does that mess up your stats software when you're looking up names? Does <laughs> you have to go change that? Uh, if you set it up correctly, yeah. it's really not a big issue. You okay. just have to change it one place. Yeah. Uh, just okay. reference, but not by her name and by other things. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, true. That's nice. true. So Veladias, Vel Veladias or Veladias. Veladias. Yeah. Hopefully Macy Walker is how person, we know her, yes. yeah, she tells her. Yeah, exactly. I know that disc golf isn't quite there yet where people can just make the full jump to full-time disc golf, but I feel like it's easy for me to ask her to do that, but I feel like if she did, she would be a regular contender. I feel like she's got the, the strength, the distance, and she's worked on enough of her game to be able to contend as, as demonstrated here. Only four off. Yeah, the lead. I know. Yeah. I know Hannah Macbeth played with her at battle for Bedford and said, she's got just a very powerful game. Mm -hmm. And I think when she learns how to hone everything in and just dial it in from every single aspect of her game, we'll see her name consistently more at these elite series events. Uh, especially what seems like on wooded courses, just domination. I mean, she grew up in the Tennessee area from what I know, and she's been playing great. All right. And Nick, I want you to kind of talk a little bit here. Maybe you already did. Well, actually, let's take this into its own segment later. Let me do that. And the segment is going to be specifically, and it can be short or long. We'll figure it out as we go. Paige yeah. Pierce, what happened this season? Because there it's been a significant roller coaster ride from start to middle to finish let's we'll talk about that a little bit just to mm -hmm. put perspective on how that works in disc golf right now with player that is so high profile um but what i want to do is give stat mando an opportunity here nick you can talk with him on that as i get ready to line up mason here uh some mm -hmm. notables that stand out that are interesting um evan i'm going to let you have the floor here and you and nick can discuss that but uh, go ahead and jump into some things that stand out about Music City Open. Yeah, so like you guys were saying, Haley King took it down. Uh, people, just because they've been hearing her so often the past year, might not remember that she had zero Elite Series wins at this time last year. Uh, she won the Tour Championship to finish the year and then has won four this year, uh, three national tours and one uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, then Mason Ford, on the uh, other hand, an MPO, uh, he's won his last three A tier or higher events that he's played in. He won two A tiers right before Music City, then won this event. And he is the 10th person in MPO to do that in the last 10 years, uh, joining the likes of Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, uh, Joe Revere out of Colorado, and a few others. Um, it was also Mason Ford's uh, highest uh, cash he's ever earned by a lot. I believe it was $7,000, and his previous high was 2200 So. Uh, doubling it and then some, or even tripling it and then some. Yeah. And then uh, that kind of equals out to his highest cash per throw by a lot as well, $35 uh, per throw. Awesome. I love hearing about the cash per throw just since it's such a fun, like every single time you throw a disc, someone's handing him a $20 bill, $10 bill, and a $5 bill. 
every single time. Just, you know, even if he throws a bad shot, he's still getting that cash for throw and it's pretty sweet, but just about all these notables. I mean, it's pretty incredible when you're doing something in the world of disc golf and you've done something now that puts you in a category where Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, Eagle McMahon, when you're put in that category of three of the best players to ever play the game, it's an incredible achievement and something that can really push you forward. I think more in a player's disc golf career. So I think now his next event is probably going to be USDGC. So to keep that streak going, he's going to go out, win the USDGC, and then keep going from there, which would be pretty insane. Yeah, I am uh, generally in agreement with everything you guys are saying. It's pretty cool. As you can tell, it's it's tough for me. Sometimes I'm trying to line up the guests here as you guys are talking. But I think some of those are amazing, uh, some of the things that are being talked about. So um, I think we're ready, actually, I think. We'll see how this plays out here. I've been away a while. Well, let's go ahead and bring in our guest, our first guest um, by the name. And this is so funny that I'm, I'm running into this problem right now. I'm trying to see why I don't have it set. So give me a second here. I apologize, everybody. Don't worry about it. I'll talk about actually some FPO stuff. We have a switch up in the UDISC power rankings for the world rankings. Uh, actually, Paige Pierce did drop out of the number one FBO U-Disc ranking spot um, because of this event, because of her finish. She actually dropped down to fourth in the world, uh, excuse me, third in the world with the Europeans taking over. Uh, Evelina, or excuse me, Kristen Tatar at number one, Evelina Salonen at number two, and then Paige Pierce and now Haley King moving up in the rankings. She just moved up to from this last event. So we are seeing more mix-up, more parody going on in the FPO division. I think we've talked about that about a hundred times now, at least on the show of just how crazy the season has been, how crazy it has been to see all these new winners come about, see some players dominate in certain areas of the tour. And I'm excited for hopefully next year with all these elite series events, I'm excited for hopefully Evelina, Henna, Chris and Tatar to be able to travel to these events. Even, you know, players like Vino, Silver, Albert, a bunch of these other MPO players coming overseas, being able to play more of the uh, U.S. tour and compete at these majors and elite series events. I think with the way disc golf is going right now, there's so many different players finally elevating their game and seeing seeing the amount of money. I mean, like Evan was just talking about with Mason's previous highest earned cash, that's $2,200. He just made $5,000 more than that just at this one event. And so doing this consistently throughout the year, we're starting to see sponsors paying their players a little bit more. And we're also seeing the tour being able to give a living. Um, I think, you know, one of the great quotes that I've seen over the last few weeks was someone had posted a picture. I think it was when the pro tour had posted the $250,000 out of cash into the pro tour finale. So the winner of that event for the MPO side and the FPO side is going to be getting $30,000. Um, Drew Gibson had posted saying the PDGA gives us a rating and the disc golf pro tour gives us a living and not, you know, bashing anything right now, but just saying in the sense of like the pro tour really has stepped everything up when it comes to playing, play, paying players and going and getting those outside sponsors to be able to give disc golfers, you know, more than just the top five in the world, a legitimate living and a legit, a legitimate strive to become a, becoming a better player. Nick, that was excellent. Thanks for, Thanks for covering for my technical difficulties here. That was hey, it's all good. As long as you figure it out, I don't I know did. what else to say now. I'm over here, and the <laughs> funny thing is, I left my camera up for a little bit while you were talking, and my face was just so like in pain. I'm like, just what is happening? Squinting down at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but without further ado, I apologize for the way that went, but we got to give him the right intro. Let's jump on, Mason. 
Ford, welcome to the show, Mason. Uh, you probably hit the road after your win. Where are you in the world right now? Just got to Charlotte. We got to Charlotte at 3 o'clock today, 3 p.m. Okay. And so what we want to know is break down how this weekend, I know it's been one day, or not, maybe not even 24 hours. Just break it down. What did, what was the whole experience like from start to finish? The best you can, whatever you want to talk about. So I'll start with, I had some family there in Tennessee, my uncle, who I hadn't seen in eight years or so. So that was cool to figure out that he lived there. Um, my grandma from Minnesota actually flew in and we got her some spectator passes and she was there to come and watch, which was kind of special. Um, Round one, I feel like I didn't do anything special. I thought the scores are going to be a lot better than what they were. I feel like my 10 down wasn't really anything spectacular. I feel like I didn't do anything too crazy. I was kind of surprised nobody really came in with a lower score. Um, round two, my goal was, you know, I love playing with Emerson. The whole Texas rivalry thing. One of us and one shoots well. It just kind of comforting I guess to have him there in a way makes me feel kind of at home relieve some of the pressure um I wish I could have came in with another 10 down but things didn't play out as well round three switching over to, to a different course not really my style of course a little bit longer obviously I don't throw the furthest but I guess I broke the course down well enough in practice and uh during the event to where I could still score what I needed to score and then that last round it was just stay relaxed, be strong. I mean, just stay in it really. Now tell us about kind of the mindset of let's talk about the last round. It's on a course that you learned how to break down in practice, but it doesn't fit your game super well. You have someone like Ricky who is a power thrower, has all of his games dialed in um, or parts of his game dialed in. Tell us what is kind of like the battle back and forth between arguably the best player on tour this year Talk to us about your mindset going into the last hole, going into the playoff and everything like that. My mindset was, so at Worlds, I learned I just needed to stay relaxed. That last round of Worlds, I played great up until the last round. Last round, I was not relaxed. I was tense. I kind of let the pressure get to me. So kind of my takeaway from Worlds was stay relaxed, stay confident. Don't worry about what anybody else is capable of. Only worry about what I was capable of. So I think that's kind of the experience from Worlds kind of helped me handle this situation a little bit better. Yeah, and that's something that people are going to want to understand more is about your game. Uh, I will say generally we've seen you have some pretty good performances as far as certain rounds this year. And you've even had, I think Evan might have a stat there to say that like you've been playing pretty well recently. Is that correct? Evan, our stat guy here. Uh, I mean, yeah. Won the last two events he played in the uh, both eight tiers. Uh, so three, eight tier or higher wins in a row, okay. uh, some elite company to be in. So you're playing pretty well. So your name's showing up more often. And this year, I feel like it showed up more often. Is that for a few reasons? Uh, how long have you been touring full time? And um, do you feel like this season is what I just described, one of your better seasons? I feel like this season is definitely probably my best season. Um, other than this year, last year, I kind of got up to the Memorial, didn't make it out to Vegas, 
um, really other than the Memorial, I didn't get out and play anywhere out of Texas, Oklahoma. That's about all I got out to. Um, this is me, me and the Mondohano sisters travel together and tour together. This is our first year fully on tour. So most of these events, it's our first time seeing 90% of the courses other than on a video and to show up week by week and break down the course as best as we can. I, I'm kind of more excited to, to get back out next year mm -hmm. and kind of build off of the experiences at each of the courses. Now, I'm assuming you are calling in from the RV that I saw on Instagram yeah. that you guys had recently bought. Tell us about just kind of like the decision to up and buy an RV and now living in that lifestyle of a disc golfer's life. So starting off the year, we had a, uh, I think it was a Suburban, pack it full, drive us, you know, to wherever we're going, unpack into a hotel, pack back up the next week. And it's kind of a pain in the butt. And at the beginning of the year, we really were looking for an RV that could fit all of us, all five of us. And so it's me, Alexis, Valerie, and then Art and Kate, their, their mom and dad. Such a blessing to have them with us along the road, mm -hmm. help out a lot. Um, yeah, so we're just looking for something that fit all of us and something that we needed. And it was hard to do that at the very beginning of the year to find the perfect vehicle. So we got back from one of our breaks. Every time we'd come back for a week, two weeks, we'd look. And finally we found something that just fit us perfect. And I, it is so much better than living hotel room to hotel room and a lot cheaper too. Oh, I'm sure. So we're, we're getting like a little bit, I don't want to say ahead of ourselves here. There's just so much that people want to know. We, we want to know. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out where to start here. Cause we, I want to get to, the playoff a little bit. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. You got to that point. Um, what were the emotions leading right up to that playoff? And then how do you feel the playoff went down? What was your reaction to that? Obviously you won, but what was your reaction? Things that were going through your mind during that playoff. So standing up on the team of 18, right? Can we start there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I heard Adam Hammes. He says, walk off ace to win and in my head i was like wow wouldn't that be such a cool way to just top it off especially after hole 15 hole 15 was kind of like wow how's that going to happen to me right now so going into hole 18 hearing him say that i was like okay i just gotta you know throw the same shot i did in practice just throw it up let the wind take it just like it did everybody else's and then as soon as i threw it i got over the tree I thought it was in and then thankfully it stuck there right by the pin. Didn't even have to put, um, but then to go into the playoff after that, after almost acing 18, I don't know how or what kind of person you'd have to be to be able to calm down your nerves after that. And then going up to hole one, the 18th or the, the playoff hole, the TD said, you play one through 18 consecutive, consecutively. And I was thinking, I really don't want to walk to hole two. <laughs> and then if we push on hole two, got to walk all the way over to hole three. And I was like, oh my goodness, we could finish on like the furthest part away from hole one. That's no fun. So um, that was kind of in my head when I threw the first shot. 
I was thinking just, you know, throw it just like you did in practice. I mean, I've thrown a thousand shots just like it. What makes this one shot any different than in practice? So I guess that was kind of my mindset. And can and you just, now, yeah, real quick, yeah, I, yeah. there's one thing that I'm really <laughs> wondering. You get up to your putt, which is, I don't want to call it a drop-in, but it was very academic. It should be made every time. Um, and But Ricky, you knew Ricky had to hit a putt. And what was going through your mind as Ricky stepped up to his putt? And then what played through your mind as it played out? When he stepped up to his putt, I was thinking, okay, there's two people in the world who are known for making this kind of putt, especially in a playoff. I was like, well, Ricky's one of the two. Paul's the other. I was like, if anybody's going to make this putt, it's going to be Ricky right now. So I was kind of expecting him to make it. Obviously, you know, I hate to be the person that's like, miss it, miss it, just miss it. I kind of wanted him to make it because good competition. I don't ever want to root against somebody. Um, but yeah, I thought if anybody's going to make it, it's Ricky. Who, who wouldn't have thought that? Yeah, no, exactly. Especially lining up that slightly downhill putt that he had. You just think that it's going to hit almost right in the center of the chains. He's yep. going to wrap her leg it down there and then just have the crowd all fired up with it. But so he misses his putt short, air balls it. And so now, like, what's your feeling of, are you feeling refreshed? Like, holy crap, this just happened. Like, what are you, what's going through your head when you're actually tapping out that last putt? So when he first missed, I was kind of in disbelief. I was kind of like, wow. All of this, for that to happen... And I was just still kind of like, wow, I can't believe it went down like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm thankful, but I was just so surprised yet. And then I was like, wow, like, this is how I win. So, I mean, when I tapped in the putt, all I could really think about is everybody who helped me get to this point, kind of when I first started playing disc golf and kind of just like a flash if you will it was just grateful everybody who helped me get to this point all the long hours throwing in a field putting on a basket all for that one quick short moment yeah so, so now let's fast forward <laughs> yeah, go ahead, nothing Nick. to take away from you know the winner or anything like that but now let's actually excuse me let's rewind to your practice rounds and kind of your mindset what is your mindset going into elite series events versus smaller events and just in the sense of like are you are you touring this year with the mindset of I can win any one of these tournaments? And so my position is I'm going to win this tournament. Or are you in the position right now in your career? Obviously, you just won the tournament, so things might have changed this week. But before this tournament, what was your mindset coming into it? Just play well, get ready for USDGC, or are you attacking everything to win? I was definitely attacking to win. Obviously, if there's a course like the Portland Open, 13,000-foot ball golf course, I'm kind of just trying to play smart, play my game, get top 20, top 25, and get out as best as I can. Um, obviously, this kind of course sets up for me fairly well. I feel like, you know, I can come out and put the disc where I need to, make the putts that I have to, and as long as, you know, I come in with the right mindset and stay focused and relaxed, I know I could win. It mm -hmm. kind of just depends on the course. This is a very, or it was a very, both of the courses actually were a lot like Texas golf. So I kind of felt at home on both of the courses. Cool. That's definitely going to be a good feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's... Uh... I was just thinking how that plays out because you have other players that come from the Northeast and they'll travel and play courses and they say, oh, it's very wooden. The way it plays is very much like home. And you have people from Texas and <laughs> plays out like Texas. I That's another topic for our show to discuss at some point. But that must be a good feeling, at least from your perspective, to say I felt it felt familiar and that helped you play strong. Um, I think you were asking an interview question at the end, like how did you handle the pressure? And I think and not to put you on the spot with this, but multiple times in your answer, you said, hey, I more or less put it in God's hands or I trusted God with that. Um, do you want to elaborate on that at all, what that means to you? I just thought that was important, the fact that you said that a couple of times. I just feel like if I can put it in his hands, it relieves the pressure off of me. I know, you know, obviously even situations in life, if I give it up to him to handle and, try you know do my best to just stay relaxed and not worry about it that everything will play out the way it needs to be yeah i think that's very mature mm -hmm. can i ask how old you are 24 24 years old uh out on the road touring around playing disc golf is this what you thought your life would be five or six years ago definitely not so five six years ago i worked as a vet tech in a clinic and just played disc golf to just relieve stress, really just get away from work and just kind of do my own thing, just relax, really. And then started to get a little bit better, started to play some other local events, won a couple of them, and then started to get some more support from people. And yeah, five years ago, if you would have told me that I'd be winning the Music City Open, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> now you're one of the players for the people who don't follow you on instagram or facebook or anything like that you are you are a player you the mandahano sisters you guys are constantly posting about field work your practice sessions and everything like that can you kind of break down because i think one thing in disc golf that a lot of casual players trying to become pro or amateurs trying to become pro i think one thing that they are missing is solid field work practice and can you kind of you know talk about what field work has done leading up to an event like this to where you are able to win it so I guess what doing so much field worker, I mean, even putting really is that's where I try to worry about the shots that I'm trying to execute. And by worrying about it at the field and just repeating it, repeating it, knowing what I want it to feel like I can get to the course in a tournament, even in practice. And I don't have to worry so much about what I want it to feel like. I can just more or less react, react and attack instead of overthink things. I feel like I have to think way less if I just go to a field and worry about my shots there. Because like mm -hmm. I said, you know, just like on the first playoff hole, I've done that shot a thousand, a million times. What makes this any different than when I'm sitting there at a field throwing the exact same shot? Yeah. I mean, your perspectives are so good, and I'm glad that you're able to encapsulate that for yourself. I mean, everybody's still working on that. It seems like you have gotten to a point where you feel more comfortable with it, and you're working those processes through your head, and you're believing it, and that's an important part of the game. Um, Nick just mentioned that you're traveling with the Mandahano sisters, and you post about your field work, and we're seeing people in the chats talk about, I think someone even said, your form has to be like top 10 in the world. Uh, I recognize that your form and the Mandahano's form seem to be very, I, it seems similar in the, the nature of the mechanics. 
Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Why that might be, <laughs> and your form in general? I'm. That could just be. We practice together. I mean, ninety-nine percent of the rounds that we play are all three with each other. Very rarely do we ever play around just us or just the girls or, you know, me go by myself. It's ninety-nine percent of the rounds that we play, we all play together. And I feel like just by watching each other throw, watching each other putt, watching each other throw forehands, you start to mimic the people that you're with, even if you don't notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I, we'll talk about you after we leave the show. But no, there's I think you're demonstrating so much maturity at this point in your life that I think your game has a really good opportunity. Um, do you have plans for the future of touring? Is this like, hey, this is our next 10 year plan or do you have a two year plan? Like what where's your mindset at with touring? This year we're just kind of, you know, to get our feet wet and just see kind of how things go. Um, see what events we want to play next year. Maybe there's some events we didn't want to play, but for the most part, um, we're gonna be here for the long haul, I think. I mean, especially how our first year went so much positive things. Um, yeah, I probably, hopefully around for the next 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So you're fulfilling that kind of dream of the professional disc golfer lifestyle, which is awesome. Are there events that you missed this year that you really did want to go to? Like, I don't remember, um, you guys weren't at MVP open or GMC, which are two of my favorite events every single year. Mm -hmm. I know you guys had to miss those for whatever reasons. But um, are those, you know, potentially events that you're going to try to go to next year? Yeah, for sure. Those are, you know, Vermont is so beautiful. It's Massachusetts amazing. is so yeah. amazing. That's all right. Never been there. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to the East Coast. Never been to the, never been to the East Coast, really. I mean, other than Charlotte, that's not really mm -hmm. to East Coast, I guess. Um, I really wanted to do the preserve. I'm from Minnesota. I have some family there. I think that would have been really fun. And, of course, just like you said, Massachusetts, Vermont. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't beat it. Even just beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. What are your goals kind of finishing out the season? We're, we're getting to a stretch in the disc golf world to where the season is kind of coming to an end soon. And there's a couple big tournaments left, the Pro Tour finale, the USDGC major. What are your goals going into those two events? And then are you playing your local events after that and kind of finishing the year? I know Texas, you guys have a pretty you know, decent weather climate and everything like that. So what's kind of your end of the year plans? So we got the USGGC in a week and a half, two weeks, something mm -hmm. like that. So obviously going to play the USGGC. We're here a week and a half early. I think that's plenty of time to kind of get to do our own thing, relax a little bit, get prepared the way that we need to. Um, not getting to do the Pro Tour finale. Neither of us three actually qualified. We played six of the 12. And I think we were all three just, you know, 50 points short, maybe mm -hmm. for qualifying for it. So um, we're looking forward to that next year. After we get back after the USGGC, I guess we'll see what's around Texas. I know um, me and Valor signed up for VPO. That's normally our last one of the year. I think that's the first weekend of November. So, yeah, last year I got third, but at VPO and I was one stroke out of going into a playoff with Greg and Emerson. That was a lot of fun. So yeah. looking forward to getting some redemption on that this year. Okay. Now your off season, your off season 
uh, you're, you guys are all from Texas. Is that kind of where you see yourself spending every single off season or do you eventually feel like you're going to find yourself maybe in Florida, you know, somewhere else? For sure. I mean, I think Texas is just so central. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, you get good weather most of the off season. Occasionally you get some rain, some last year we got some snow actually. Um, not very often though. Um, yeah. I mean, we could go back, see some family, relax, not have to worry about traveling and driving everywhere and going through all that. Yeah. It's just kind of nice to be back in Texas and just relax. Very cool. All right. So before we let you go, one of my favorite questions to ask, because I know that disc golf is life. I get that. We all love disc golf, but there's things that we like to do sometimes to even decompress from, let's say, a bad round or we put in so much work. It's building up and we want to do something else. What are your what are your go to's for uh, relaxation? Is it video games, fishing? What is it? There's all different things in this world. What's your hobbies? What are the things you do besides disc golf? Fishing is big. My grandfather always used to take me out when I uh, when I was younger in Minnesota. Me and my stepdad would always go in the in the Gulf whenever we uh, whenever I lived down there. It's just you know exactly something to relax. Go out in the boat. Go out on a kayak. Relax. Um, me and the girls also like to run. Running really clears my mind. I ran cross country in high school. Did a couple half marathons. Um, really good way for me to like you said to decompress to distress think through things i really enjoy running awesome um (laughs) i'm just thinking my brother who sometimes will fill in on the show he's getting ready to run a hundred miler coming up so shout out to him that's a lot of training what's the furthest you've ever run you said track and field you did what's the furthest you've ever run the furthest i don't know the furthest i've ran okay my freshman year our Sunday long runs used to be two hours, two okay. and a half hours sometimes. Okay. I don't you know, know not to, we went, but not to brag, but I ran just a little over a mile today and I was absolutely <laughs> gassed by the end of it. But it actually it's funny because I was messaging Josh just about some tips and running and what shoes to buy or whatever. Oh nice. And um you know, he was just saying you gotta build it up slow. And so that was my plan. We we live in an area where there's a couple different cul-de-sacs. So I went to the furthest one today, looped around, got back to the house. But my future kind of goal with all this within the next month is to be able to run down each cul-de-sac, turn, go to the next one, go to the next one, and then, you know, map it out. Hannah got me on this like Nike running app or whatever, but I've heard so many good things. We had James Proctor on the show a few months ago, and he was talking about how running really clears his mind and it helps out his mental game a lot. And just in that sense, and then there's so many, I would say, benefits that I've heard over the years of people running and not, you know. I, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to do a hundred miler, but at least being able to stay in shape and everything like that. I, I think running is something that I've heard so much about lately. So I am trying to dabble in it. So I did my first mile today in there a very go. long time. I think I tell Val all the time before I die, before I get too old, I have to do one ultra marathon. It's definitely on the bucket list. What, what consists of an ultra marathon? The ultra marathon is a hundred miles or further. I think, you know, like Utah has their Moab 240. It's a 240 mile trail race. And <laughs> there's a bunch of other ones. You can name a list. See Nick. He, I gotta say, I gotta say, I gotta say, my 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 goal before I die is to uh, <laughs> win an elite series event. I mean, I ain't talking about freaking running 240 miles on a trail or something like that. I, no, that's funny. I'll stick to disc golf. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Mason checks off the NT and um, a big one at that playoff dramatic fashion. Nick's like, that's what he's looking for. Mason, maybe mm -hmm. one day you'll run that, you know, 100 miler. It's definitely something you could do. You have the right dedication, it seems to me. And some people are laughing in the chat. They're like, how is fishing relaxing? And I, I can kind of agree. It, everyone has a different take on that. My brother, who's going to run that 100 miler, would say fishing is not his thing. <laughs> he's like, it's he's not patient enough for that. Yeah. But... I think he actually says if he's catching fish, he likes it, but he doesn't like fishing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Mason, is there anything you want to talk about or shout outs or anything that we missed that you think would be uh, relevant or that we should discuss? We're glad that do it. Otherwise, we'll let you go. What do you got? I'll give some shout outs. Cool. Um, shout out to Val and Alexis for keeping me disciplined, keeping me in check when I got to be. Um, shout out to their parents for always being there with us, giving us the support and love that we need. Shout out to my uncle for carrying the bag all week. My grandma for being there and you guys for having me on the show. It is. We absolutely pleasure. appreciate you coming exactly. on the show taking the time after probably what consisted of a long day in travel. Um, once again, we did really want to congratulate you on your first elite series win. It's an incredible feeling. You took home a nice little paycheck to go along with that. Uh, we're very much looking forward to seeing the rest of your season play out, and then hopefully we'll have you on the show again sometime soon. Would love to. Thank you, guys. No problem. All right, Mason, have a good evening, and uh, drive safe, and good luck. Peace, Peace. out. I appreciate it, guys. <clears throat> All right, everybody. That was Mason Ford. Uh, we've never had him on the show before. He's been having a season that is, you know, in my opinion, I'd call it, He he said it. It's his breakout season. It's his season that he's mm -hmm. performed the best. Um, yeah, I think I was saying this earlier, you know, for the people who don't follow Mason on Instagram or even the uh, Mandahano sisters, you can see the time and effort that they all put into their game and that they all do to better themselves on and off the course. And I think, you know, it's a good page for anyone to take who is actually trying to take that next leap into maybe trying to become a touring disc golfer, you know, Mason had taken a few weeks off of incredible events like the MVP open and then the um, green mountain championships. And like he said, there was not too much of a point difference between him making the pro tour finale. So having to take off those events is tough, but at least that whole time that he took off those events, he was out in the field working. He was out in the putting green, putting in some putting practice. And so I think for, for anyone watching the show that is actually trying to take that next leap, or even if you just want to be better in your local community, do the field work, do the putting practice. There's nothing better than feeling confident in your game, going out to your local event, or at this point for the elite series events for these touring pros and being able to go out Connor O'Reilly winning an elite series event, Mason Ford, um, all these different players winning these elite series events this year. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's just, it's, been talked about so many times, but it's cool to see the parody in disc golf this year. We're not just talking to the same people every week. There's a little stretch of where, you know, one person is winning a few events here and there, um, excuse me, in a row. But at the same time, lately, we've just seen so many different winners. It's It's been awesome. Yeah, it has been awesome. And I was actually just going to take a moment here to talk a little bit about players who didn't make the cut at Music City Open because we're still kind of talking about that. We are lining up here in mm -hmm. a little bit. Stick around. It's probably about 10 more minutes or so. We'll have Ben Calloway on. Um, but I'm looking at the MPO, and I think, you know, as it should be, most of the players that should have made the cut did. I know there's going to be some disappointment. There's going to be some disappointment there. For instance, I'm going to give out some of the names who are probably disappointed. Uh, Colton Montgomery. Actually, everyone who didn't mm -hmm. make the cut is disappointed. 
<laughs> but I mean, from, yes. I mean, from the perspective of like who we would generally talk about, um, Austin Hannum. And as I'm just scrolling down here, uh, you know, leave, leave comments. If you feel like they should have made it. Will Schustrick, this is a name. Yeah. Go I was going to say though, yeah. that was one big thing. We, we got to see Will Schustrick play disc golf again. He was actually in one of the Jomez pro practice round videos and, uh, just being able to see Will, he's had so much stuff kind of going on in the last year of his life. Um, just with, you know, he, him and his wife had a kid. Um, the kid has some health issues that they've been dealing with throughout the whole year and being able to see him come back into an area that I think he pretty much grew up playing disc golf in, uh, was pretty sweet. It's, it's good to see his name back up there. He did unfortunately miss the cut by a little bit, but, uh, it was good to see Will's name back there. He's a, a very nice dude. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as I was scrolling down, Ezra Aderhold not making the cut. And this is really funny. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever noticed this before. There is a player named Adam Ham. Ham. H-A-M-M. -M, yeah. Adam Ham. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. like Adam Hamas. I mean, it's just, I don't yeah. know. It doesn't look like he plays as good, but that's no diss. <laughs> Adam's, <laughs> and that's actually a topic. Uh, Adam has been having a stellar season. Um, had you asked me, well, time is flying here. Three weeks ago, before MVP, if he's been having an awesome season, I would have said, he's playing, you know, he's playing well. That's what I would have said. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. now that he's, like, performed so well to win MVP, and then, honestly, I mean, being contention at this this recent event like yeah. to where he should have only, only one stroke yeah. back in this last event i mean besides for the green mountain championships he has a lot of great finishes 15th at idlewild 11th at delaware first at mvp open 19th at green mountain fifth at the match play championships and then third place at the music city open so he's having a great year i think there's a couple tournaments here and there that he's not playing well in um but let's just say he's made cash at every single event this year um, decent amount. I mean, he's made $41,000 just in tournaments this year. So Adam, Adam is having a great season. Uh, definitely with, uh, I think two big elite series wins. He's got the silver series win. He's, he's playing great all around. So let's go over to FPO because mm -hmm. their cut line was after one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Only 12 FPO, no, 13 FPO made the cut just to put it out there. It's, it's the top 40%, but that's 13 players. I am, I think, more surprised at the FPO players who didn't make the cut than the MPO who didn't. There, was, um, there were 17. There were 17 who made the cut. Well, there's, oh, that's true. There would be 17. I don't know how I just counted that. Yeah. Oh, there's seven, 17 out of 37. Uh, I see. I skipped the top four for some mm -hmm. reason. Okay. Uh, some names that I'm a little bit surprised by. I mean, generally, Ellen Widboom with her year last year kind of seems surprising, but just, okay, she didn't make it. Vanessa Van Dyke and not. Uh, I don't mean these as diss people. When I'm saying my reaction, it's just my reaction. Um, mm -hmm. I'm moving down. Lisa Fakus, that one, that one kind of, how does that feel to you? Like, she didn't make the cut. I feel like she started out her season so strong. Yeah, I think, I mean, Lisa's a player who has played well throughout the year. Uh, she's definitely had some great events. And I think just every so often with how many, how many tournaments players are playing this year, it's, I think not that we're being judgmental, but I think we're, you know, 
noticing these kind of things because it feels like there's an elite series event either every week or every other week right now. And so we're consistently talking about different players. And so when we don't see a player's name, like Lisa fake is more towards the top where we've kind of been used to seeing it. Uh, it does come as a surprise. So I was definitely surprised by that one. Um, yeah. I mean, Vanessa Van Dyken, same thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just thinking of the names that didn't make the cut. And actually, I, maybe I'm not as surprised as I thought I was. Um, there are some really good names who still made the cut. So Paige Pierce being one of those names, though, who barely made the cut. Um, and her response in social media, I think it was today. And this is, this is so Paige, but it's to be like, hey, I'm just going to take some time to process what happened and see what I can learn. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't have much more to say than that, and that's probably, you know, the best thing for her. But man, as a talk guy... I want to break it down. Be like, what? I want to hear those, you know, processing that she's going to do. Like, what happened? Wasn't she doing, and maybe I'm stirring up something here. A, she even kind of said it, a silent, like, NT protest, and then she showed up at this event. Like, I don't have any insight into that, but I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think at MVP Open during the press conference, someone had asked just about the PDGA and everything like that, and she did say she was kind of protesting it. And so I don't remember what her decision was to actually play the event. It might've been for national tour standings points and everything like that. And just bumping her name up the leaderboard in that sense. Um, but at the same time, we've seen throughout the year that the PDGA has kind of dropped the ball on some of the events that we've played throughout the year. So I understand where she's coming from with that protest. And at the same time, you know, it, it was good to see her name out there. I think, any tournament where a player can walk away learning something in the sense of my game doesn't feel all there or mentally, I just need a break right now. I think that's actually a positive that you can look at any of these tournaments and where Paige is at in her disc golf career. She can't afford to take some time off rest before the next big major that's coming up for the throw pink women's event that's happening, or it's actually, excuse me, it's not a major, but the next big tournament that they'll all be playing in South Carolina. Yeah, I think it just shows there is something of value to the PDGANT, even if she has her own feelings about it. Like, she had to mm -hmm. process something. But the only other inside scoop that I might bring, and it's not really inside scoop, but is previous years she played this event. I don't want to say she went out of her way some years, but some of the years it seemed like she did. Maybe I'm just making this up. This is, like, kind of my recollection, where she kind of went out of her way to play this event. Like, she really believed in the event and supported it. So maybe she was still supporting the event itself. Um, yeah, but either exactly. way, that could she, definitely be something, but yep. either way, maybe that factors into her mindset going into this event too. Like knowing that this is yeah. an event run by a team that she doesn't have her full support behind. So mm -hmm. there's possibly that too. Now I'm just stirring things up. Yeah. Well, Jordan Castro no, in the chat is saying that, uh, she was going for player of the year and I feel like I heard that. So even though she's done player of the year, NT points on That's, the line, uh, yep. she, she, last year it was the tie and she kind of got it after the fact i think this year she wanted to solidify that she is the player of the year and that's why uh yeah she was in the event that's why we that's have right. evan here monitoring the chat exactly. well, also jordan castro <laughs> in the chat looks like he's yeah. watching if that's truly him <laughs> yeah or someone mimicking jordan castro but i'm sure that's him so yeah but this is this actually is very supportive and i missed that jordan sorry you know i probably missed that you wrote that she's going for player of the year yes i see that now that he wrote that um yeah but this was actually supportive of my point as much as she felt like there's not value with certain things. And that's what she's been voicing. 
there is still value. Like there's something there that was worth it to her for her to do that. Um, and that's all. And I'm not here to say, hey, do I support the PDJ and, and that touring? That's a whole conversation to talk about. Literally, like, is the NT going away next year? Is the Disc Golf Pro Tour going to be the main course of how, no pun intended on course, the main avenue for how competition takes place at the pro level? But if the NT is like not wanting to go, if the PDJ is not wanting to go away and they're like, what can we do? They just have to offer something valuable. And I know that sounds super simplified, but do it. If a title called player of the year is valuable enough, players will play the event or the tour. If whatever it is. And for instance, that kind of leads us to where we're going to go, but I'm going to try to get Ben in the Ben Calloway lined up here. But one of the topics for tonight is literally talking about the payouts for the finale and the value, the incredible value that that brings to the pro tour that it's going to be almost impossible to not say that the disc golf pro tour is monopolizing pro tour, like the touring professionals tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we will talk about that. Um, But how about this, Nick react to, um, did you see big germ? Uh, and what happened to him this week? You want to just talk about yeah. that a little bit and just say how you feel about that? So I was actually, I think we were driving to Leesburg, played a B tier out in Leesburg, Virginia this last weekend. And uh, I think I was scrolling through Instagram and just kind of like swiping through people's stories, whatever, clicking through them. And now in Jeremy's or uh, Big Germ, it had said robbed. And so I'm thinking in my head, like he's talking about something with a practice round or something in the tournament round of like, he got robbed out of a situation, robbed out of a putt that could have put him off the leaderboard or whatever like that. And then I went back because I saw I had seen someone post saying that, you know, he legitimately got robbed. So I went back and looked at everything. And unfortunately, Colling's car had gotten broken into at the hotel he was staying at. They stole his bag. They stole like three um, extra bags from Pound that were used for his backup discs and everything like that. And so this is kind of spread across the whole disc golf community of, you know, asking for help, asking for any leads leading into the situation of catching whoever did it. And I think that's, it's up to like a 5,000 or $6,000 reward or something like that. Andrew Zimmern, a famous chef from bizarre foods and kind of a, just a food extraordinaire in general had actually put up a multiple thousand dollar bounty on trying to figure out who the hell did this, but it's wild. The, The biggest thing I can say is you know, for anyone planning on going out in the road or even just playing your local tournaments, if it seems like it's at all in somewhat of a sketchy area, even if it's not a sketchy area, take your bags inside with you, whatever house you're staying at, don't leave them in your car. And Jeremy Colling is one of the nicest people I've ever met, especially for touring disc golfers. And it sucks that this happened. Uh, you know, I feel wicked bad about it. So hopefully whoever, whoever did it, I hope they get caught. I hope something comes about with it. I hope somehow that Jeremy can get all of his stuff back. I don't think it's a likely situation, but at the same time, that's, that's what we are hoping for. There was a story previous to this year or this year, you know, COVID's kind of made everything be weird in time <laughs> um, mm-hmm. where there was like yeah. a, a, I'm trying to think a stakeout, like where the cops were called and like they knew somebody that was selling discs that were stolen and like they had them show up to a location and the cops got them it would be just the most biggest epic like story finish if we could get some like dramatic finish to that. But Nick, you made a great point and we will take that point. I'll reiterate it is this is your career. This is your livelihood. The discs Mm -hmm. are your tool. Um, 
and I'm not saying this bad on Jeremy Colling. I'm saying this has lesson learned for all of us. And it sucks that, yeah. you know, he had to have this experience. But like a photographer and videographer, you really probably shouldn't leave your equipment in the, the car, you know, uh, anything that you would have. <sighs> Jeremy's got a great perspective. Big germ, he said. Yeah, exactly. This has not, had, you know, this has not ruined my perspective of humanity. It's one in two thousand. Everybody I know is good, you know, minus one or two here and there. So good for him. Yeah, exactly. We've had we've had local break-ins at one of the disc golf courses in the parking lot around this area. And I mean, at that point, I'm just like, well, I, I don't need to go to that course anymore. There's yeah. I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna risk even if I have nothing in my vehicle, I'm not gonna risk my windows getting beat in yeah. or my car getting dented or anything like that. It's just it serves a, it serves a purpose. What happened to Jeremy absolutely sucks. And I, I hope, like I said, I hope good can come out of the situation. Um, but for any future people listening to the show right now, take your stuff inside with you. It's, you know, back in 2014, <sighs> Paul Macbeth got his stuff stolen out of the yes. back of a truck. And now every single time we stay somewhere or just in general, his bag always comes inside the house or inside the Airbnb, wherever we're staying, his bag always comes with him. So there's no valuables left to where if someone breaks in, they're not going to get anything. They're not going to get your livelihood or anything like that. So Dude. just let it be a lesson. Don't let it happen to you. Cause then, then you just kind of look like a dumbass. <laughs> well, and that's you not know? on Jeremy Colling. Yeah. Here's the thing it's, that dude, no, 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 gosh, no, that dude no, I'm saying, was I'm saying now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now that we know that dude, yeah. big germ friend of the show was crying on his Instagram stories. Like, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. You feel violated if you get robbed. Number one. And number two, like he's realizing all the things that he can't replace. And that's just unfortunate. I mean, you can replace plastic, but he had some serious, you know, nice stuff broken in there. So mm -hmm. I, I was thinking, and this is a shout out to anybody who does product development, Evan Kearns. I don't know. You do software, you do web or something. Yeah. yeah. Software. Okay. This product is probably out there, but it's not marketed to disc golfers is a GPS that like sews into a portion of your bag somewhere. Like where nobody would, you know, expect you have a GPS in there. And it, it's like the Man, Apple talking about million dollar ideas on the, it's on a, the show right now. Well, actually, and you could use those Apple, um, the well, new yeah, Apple tags they, or whatever. They already have luggage tags that you can use and you can have an app assigned to them. And then you can look like, like find my friend essentially. Yeah. But or find my, yeah. whatever it is. Okay. So not to get too techy, we've got a great guest lined up, but like it pings you, you want it to do what Apple tags do. And I don't know, that might be a security thing and like personal privacy but like it will take anybody's iphone that's nearby and it will ping if they get nearby it and so oh, many I people see. have iPhones. And like market is lost and then they can find exactly. it that way that's really interesting so if anybody shows up near it with an iphone it, they don't even have to give it permission is my understanding yeah apple's kind of rigged backdoor stuff but anyways i've thought about that because you don't want your bags getting stolen we hear about it regularly enough and it's unfortunate that it happened to big germ okay yeah Without exactly. further ado, because we've, <laughs> we've talked about that for a long time, um, we are going to bring into the room now uh, somebody that I got to meet during MVP in person. Uh, I've listened to his other interviews, Brian Earhart, another friend of the show, The Flight Diary. You're going to go get a lot of information over there that might not come up here. So if you think Ben's interesting, go over and check out our friend Brian's podcast. Without further ado, bringing him in, uh, Ben Calloway. Bro, how are you doing? Where are you at? uh doing really good just uh here at the airbnb in uh music city open tennessee okay so you stuck around you're not traveling today then um is that normal for you or are you trying where, where's your next event uh usdgc will be the next event uh normally mondays are travel days but i wanted to 
have an extra day off just to kind of relax and because USDGC is now for at least another week and a half. So travel day will be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get into the USDGC area tomorrow and then pretty much just start practicing for the next, what's the tournament start on Wednesday. So you pretty much have about a week to practice, right? Exactly. Nice. Okay. Is that, is that when it's starting again this year on Wednesday? They yeah, do it Wednesday, Wednesday through Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, Wednesday through Saturday. Holy list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, you started off this season. Um, to me, the first time that I actually started recognizing your names this season, you had some breakout events, you had some good rounds. Um, you maybe you didn't finish the way you wanted, but you were getting the exposure that many people needed to have to even get to know you. Um, how would you rate your whole season with, you know, that start include and where you're at now? Is this your best season? Uh, what you expected? Just kind of talk about the season, how it's gone for you and what you feel about it. Um, from start to finish, it's by far my best season. Uh, I set a lot of goals at the beginning, uh, coming into this year. And so far I've checked a lot of those off and, um, some I fell a little short of, but you know, that's, that's all right. Cause that's just something to drive myself for next year. But as far as an overall, it's by far my best season. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my perspective, but that's also, you haven't, is this your first full touring season? Yeah. First full tour season. And so does that surprise you to say your first full touring season is your best season ever, or have you just invested more in this season than you have in other ones? Um, I'd be lying if I said that I was uh, kind of surprised. Cause I, I always felt like I would be successful if I went on tour. I just never had the opportunity. So I was very fortunate to have this year and lo and behold, it's, it's paying dividends. Mm-hmm. Now, what, now talk to us just about some of those goals that you had set up for this season. Um, you've talked about how you've, you've achieved some of the goals. You haven't achieved some of the goals. Talk to us about your, let's say your successes and your failures. Uh, yeah. So one of my goals was to win an elite series event, you know, national tour pro tour. Uh, obviously that didn't happen, came pretty close a couple of times, but that's just something to have for the future. But one of the other goals I had was to win my local a tier back home in the quad cities of Iowa. And I managed to get that done. Uh, some other goals are to, um, be a rating of 1030, which I still can potentially do. Um, also I, I didn't want to take anything too much for granted. So my, my goals, one of my goals was just to have fun, you know, enjoy my time out here. Cause I didn't know for sure at the beginning, if I was going to be able to do this next year. And, um, it's still not really a hundred percent sure right now, but uh, it, it's looking pretty promising. Um, but I don't want to say anything for sure. Um, but yeah, hopefully next year I can, you know, get some of those goals checked off. Mm-hmm. Good. So you're talking about next year. Um, I did listen to the Brian Earhart interview uh, over there on the flight diary. I think that it was very insightful and, and I enjoyed it. I wanted to know more about you. Uh, Thank you. The first, yeah, the first kind of side question to that is how does that feel knowing that people want to know about you? Like, is that a new feeling for you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a, a new feeling for sure. Um, you know, messages that I get on social media, and just people from back home that are just genuinely 
interested in, in just what I do. Uh, it, it was a, it was a little overwhelming at first for sure. Just like I make people feel a certain way. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty, oh, absolutely. Feeling, though. no, that is cool. And, but so that was my little side question. Cause I said, Hey, I was interested in you and you and understanding who you were. And, um, sometime maybe off air, we have a lot of deep conversations about life cause I related to you and that's very cool. Um, I'm not a pro disc golfer, <laughs> not relating in that way. That that way may never happen. I can't throw that far. I can't play that well. But but the question I'm trying to get to is uh, you have a wife and uh, a child, right? A daughter. Is that correct? Correct. OK. Yeah, correct. And I can imagine, as you even mentioned, that that's a tough thing to do. But you just said next year, you know, you have these goals and these things set up. Um, where does that rest in your mind? Like, as you do this, have you figured it out? Like, is it working for you? Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. So obviously this year was a trial and error, uh, because, uh, we, you know, like you said, I got a wife and a child at home and this, if my, if my wife and I could handle our marriage and, um, me being away from home for so long, uh, then maybe I could potentially be on tour next year, but, uh, that just depends on, my potential contracts and if me and my wife can actually handle it because uh you know it took a a lot for me for us to be uh, away so long so it'll all just depend on how we frame it up for next year if it's even a possibility because i family comes first for me and Mm -hmm. if it isn't working at home then it's not going to be able to work on the road so it'll all just depend on that Mm-hmm. And you were talking about different sponsorships. Um, I know who you're sponsored by. Do you want to just tell for people who might not know who you are, just talk about your sponsorships, kind of when you got sponsored, multiple sponsorships, you know, go on that whole ordeal. Uh, yeah. So I'm sponsored by Discraft. Uh, I've been sponsored by them for 10 years now. Uh, I also have um, a few local uh, sponsors as well back home, uh, the Iron Lion Disc Golf Supply, uh, Culture Shock Barbershop. And then I also picked up a new sponsor this year, uh, Culture uh, Ledgestone Insurance, uh, which is Nate Heinold out there in Peoria, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And how is that support uh, with Ledgestone? They came out actually with some stock, run, or excuse me, some special runs for you this year. That helps out your tour. And then with Discraft, how has that kind of opened up? You know, this year of touring, did it make things more accessible? Is it something where, if these sponsorships pick it up, does that? potentially how about besides for the family stuff, let's say everything family wise is working perfectly. Are you also looking into, you know, just not bigger sponsorships, but just kind of like looking to progress in those sponsorships you already have? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I would like to, uh, progress into the sponsors that I already have, uh, maybe just, you know, negotiate a contract that could work with me as well as they, uh, as, as well as with them. Um, but yeah, when when, I, when that time comes, uh, we'll we'll know for the future. Everything like once I know, <laughs> pretty much everyone will know. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> I think it's so cool that we're at a place in disc golf. Uh, I say we're at a place. It's progressing. We're at a place in disc golf where we can be like, hey, I really want to negotiate a contract. Whereas before, you know, negotiating a contract was. Uh, can you pay for a tournament entry? You know, and and I think you're probably talking about more than that. Am I correct? Oh yeah, it'll it'll be definitely a lot more for sure. 
Yeah, and see, that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we put, like, Eagle McMahon on the spot a few years ago, or not a few years ago, a few weeks ago. I was like, hey, man, like, you know, what's the deal? And he's just like, they made me happy. And, like, players are starting to have this experience that is allowing them to do what they want to do and get paid for it. And it's really neat to be a part of that. I would imagine you agree. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, Ben Calloway. First of all, your name is, is synonymous with golf, right? I mean, it's, it comes mm. from golf. Uh, do you let your name brand you at all in the way you have a clean appearance, very golf oriented, it feels like to me. Are you bringing that with that perspective or does it have nothing to do with your game, your name? Um, I mean, I, I come from a golf background. I played in high school. Um, and obviously, you know, with the last name of Callaway, you, you, you have to have all Callaway everything. It'd be <laughs> kind of silly if, you know, I, having this name and I'm, I'm out there hitting with Titleist. So, um, and, and with Callaway, I felt like their branding was a little bit more on the, uh, like you were mentioning, kind of like more professionalism side. Not to say that some pro, uh, professional golfers' brands are not, but, for me, it just felt like it's more of a clean cut, uh, professional. And so I just wanted to try to bring that to disc golf. Yeah. And I think I can, you are, you are. So that's, that's really good. I, I can confirm. actually, I think my first year I went out to Arizona in 2019, Discraft had taken out the Discraft team party was at top golf. And I do remember Ben is actually a very, very accurate golfer. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. Him and actually Adam Hammes, I was actually really impressed about too. They're both, both very good at uh, playing golf over there at Top Golf. So that was that was fun to do. But I guess we'll kind of like talk about your season really quick, Ben. I'm just going going over your stats. Um, multiple top ten finishes at Elite Series events this year. Uh, Portland Open tenth place. Played again uh, Jonesboro Open tenth place. MVP Open, Music City, Resistance Disc Open, Dynamic Disc Open. And then, so I want to say, I think dynamic discs open was what I would say is when a lot of people started seeing your name, because you made the Jomez lead card, you were on the Jomez coverage, you were keeping up with everyone. And then same thing with Des Moines challenge. We started hearing your name more and more throughout those events. Talk to us about the pressure of, you know, I say this all the time, but now you're competing against three of the best players in the world. You've played on the same card as Paul, Ricky and Eagle. These are players who have won these events in the past. Talk to us about that pressure of going in as someone who is new to the tour this year and then making that jump pretty early on in the season to where, Hey, I'm actually leading the tournament at that dynamic mm -hmm. discs open at one point. Talk to us about your mindset going into those events and the mindset during those events. Sure. So to, to preface this, it, I've been playing disc golf for quite some time. And this is, like I said before, my first year on tour, I have played some big events, um, being a guy that's working the job and then go and playing some big events uh, on the weekend. So I've had opportunities where I'm, I'm I've played with these guys before, um, whether it's on in a second, third, sometimes even the final round. Uh, so uh, what, what I should have mentioned uh, also earlier, one of my goals was to make uh, a Jomez card during the second round. You know, I, I like feature cards, but I, I wanted to earn my spot. So, because I had not done that up to that point. Mm -hmm. So at Jonesboro, when I finally got to earn my spot, it, it was definitely new for me. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. And obviously it kind of showed during my round. Uh, didn't play terribly, but, you know, I was just off. Um, and then after Jonesboro, I went home for a week 
and kind of just relaxed, reset. And then the following week after that was DDO. Um, I had a, I was the second card to go out for the, for the tournament. I, I teed off at 7.20 in the morning and wound up shooting the hot round and got to play, like you were mentioning, with these big names. And all I could think of was, you know, you've already been here once before. So you have the skill set. You've played with these guys. So just go out there and play your game. And it was simple as that. And once I went in with that mindset, after, after I made my first big putt, I was like, all right, it's go time. Very cool. Yeah, go time. Uh, you seem very competitive uh, out there. And I think most people who are playing on the tour are very competitive. Um, mm. But on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, you playing board game and you lose or you feel like someone's cheating. How, how upset do you get? I'm just trying to figure out your competitive level. Like, how would you describe yourself as a person? Um. In, in, I, I am very competitive, yes, in, in a lot of things. But uh, the, the younger me would say that I, wouldn't, I, w- I don't want anyone to win anything, period. But as I get older, I, I tend to calm, I, I calm down in some situations. It just, it just depends on the moment for me, though, for sure. Although I, can, I can get pretty competitive, though. <laughs> okay, so you don't want to lose, but you found yourself now cheering on and saying, congratulations, Mason Ford, is what you're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, definitely, I'm definitely, yeah, that kind of guy. Yeah. No one wants to lose. Nice. That's true. Um, Disc golfers are pretty friendly for the most part, Matt. In their head, they're thinking, you know, <laughs> all right, miss that putt, miss that putt. But, you know, out loud, they're always, you know, oh, yeah, great job. You made that putt. You know, that's incredible. Meanwhile, they're like, nah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like you kidding. don't, you don't, like, like, you don't want to have misfortune, you know, <laughs> you don't want to hope. You don't want to wish that upon them because you want them to play their best because you want to beat them at their best. Yeah. Ooh. You know? So that's 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 what I have the mindset of. Like I want them to make the putt, but at the same time, like I want, I want when I win, I want it to be because I earned it, not because they gave it away. Mm. That's a takeaway no, that Mason Ford also said almost exactly. So if people are listening to this whole podcast, he said like you you want that person to make it so you know that you beat them at their best, but. I think we could change it to say like you want them to try their best to make it. <laughs> That's how I think we can say yeah, it. Like, correct. you yeah. want them to try <laughs> yeah. their best. Like you don't want them to make it. You don't want them to score, uh, but you want them to try their best and to know that they tried their best. Um, so yeah, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm just talking. I don't know what I'm even talking about sometimes, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, Ben, it was great meeting you up at Maple Hill. Uh, I got to see you up on the balcony of the sap house at hole 18. Mm -hmm. And I know it didn't play out the way you wanted it to. Um, but after again, I'll say it one more time after listening to your podcast, after meeting you in person, um, I think there is a strong future for you. I think the pro tour is getting to the place where if you can regularly finish I know you're competitive. You don't want to hear this, but if you can regularly finish in the top 20, that's going to be a big deal in the years to come. And I think, I I feel very strongly that's going to be you. Um, But before we send you away, and maybe Nick has a follow-up question, like I always love to find out a little bit more and divulge. I know sports was a thing for you, but like what's another hobby that you find yourself doing maybe on the road? Like you can't 100% just disc golf. What's the hobby you have on the road or when you go home, what are you looking to do to relax? Uh, on the road, as well as when I'm at home, I, I 
like to unwind with working out. It's it's something that I've uh, been doing for a long time. Uh, sometimes I, I like to occasionally play some video games at home. Uh, it's not something that I do very, very often, but uh, on the occasions when I do have some free time, you know, aside, you know, when I hang out with my wife or my daughter, just kind of unwind with that. Um, or just kind of relax on the couch, watch watch some sh- uh, some shows, and yeah, just kind of the typical things. Okay, typical. Nice. And Nick, if you have a follow-up, go ahead and do that. But I want to ask, Ben, I said before we send you away, but we actually have a segment on our show called Stat or Fiction. And we have Stat Mando mm-hmm. in studio right now tonight, which I don't know if we introduced you, but he's here, uh, and he's going to read off a statement and we have to decide if it's a stat or a fiction. Does that sound like a fun game as a competitive person? You're going down. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nick, do you have any follow-ups, any you questions go. you want to get answered before that? No, I think we've covered pretty much everything. And uh, like Matt has said a couple times in the show, if you want to learn more about Ben, definitely check out the flight diaries podcast that he do with Brian Earhart. Um, it's a more in-depth kind of a longer podcast with more one-on-one style to it. Um, but as always, we appreciate you coming on the show, Ben. It was kind of funny when we were up in Massachusetts, uh, we were giving Ben a hard time. I think we had tried to reach out to him earlier this season, but he, you know, he, uh, like, we I can't weren't think big of the word yet. right now, but we he, weren't, you know, yeah, enough, we yeah. weren't big yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't think of the word, but, uh, it was kind of like <laughs> whatever, but so now it, it's fun. Uh, you know, both of our guests tonight made their official debuts on the Nick and Matt show. And I'm excited in the future when we get, when we have you both back on, but for now, stat or fiction. You guys are going down. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and jump into Statter Fiction, everybody. Oh, for some reason, I don't got audio on that, but that's okay. You can still hear me. So stat or fiction, everybody. Uh, the way this works, you know, Evan's going to read a stat for us, and we have to decide if it's true or false, and we call it stat or fiction. So that's how we answer. Uh, up on the screen, you can see Nick. You can see Ben. You can see myself. This is a new setup. For those of you who are watching live, you see the graphics. For those of you who are listening, not much has changed. All right, Evan, go ahead and give us the uh, first stat or fiction. All right. Going back a week, uh, Emerson Keith knocked off Ricky Wysocki in round one of the match play championship. Uh, but Ricky Wysocki still earned a nice paycheck of $1,000 for uh, playing in the match play. But the $1,000 is the lowest amount Wysocki has ever earned for a disc golf pro tour of elite event in the last 12 months. Okay, so if I break that down in the last 12 months, a thousand is the least he's made, is what that stat is. Yeah, exactly. Said. Okay. Uh, Nick, just because you're on the screen first, we're going to go in that order and we'll cycle around. Uh, how many tonight? Three, four? Sounds I got three. Three. Okay. So we'll each start one of these off. So, Nick, go ahead and you start first. I'm going to have to go with fiction. All right. Fiction is what Nick guesses. Uh, ben, you can talk through it if you want. If there's something that stands out to you that helps you with understanding this. Or you can just give us an answer. What do you think? Is that true or false? Stat. Nah. What do you think? Stat. That's a, a stat. Eh. I feel like, dang. Uh, I'm going to go with Ben on that one. He's a winner. Ben's a winner. <laughs> I got to follow him. I feel like Ricky, if I'm playing out my head, he's placed really high. There might have been one event where he didn't, though. That could be the, and I'm trying to remember which event that was. He wasn't happy. It came off of a fairly hot streak, and then he had a bad event, and that's the one that's standing out to me. But dang it, I'm going to go. Is this st- for? Is this for 2021 or all Pro Tour Elite last, Series stuff last like that? Last 12 months. So that includes. 
That goes back to. But you said disc golf pro tour events. Disc right? golf pro tour elite events. Okay, so that probably doesn't. Series. That probably doesn't trickle into last year too much, if at all. Yeah, it just would bring you okay. post GMC. Okay. I guess. All right, so uh, let's see how this played out here, Evan. You got to tell us what the answer is. All right, this is a stat. Uh, that is the lowest amount he has earned in the last twelve months for a disc golf pro tour elite series event. Um. His uh, lowest besides that was $1,050, just barely above at Waco. Uh, he did earn $750 at Masters Cup, but that's a national tour. And the last time he earned under $1,000 at a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite uh, was 2020 Preserve. He earned $675, but that was in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. Wow. All let's right. Go. Leo, let's go. I'm just going to hold on to the coattails of Ben Calloway, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. There so that's go. how that plays out. Um, these graphics are kind of fun. I hope you enjoy them. All right, Evan, give us the next. Uh, All right. Stat or fiction number two with Mason Ford's uh, win at Music City 2021 now has the most unique elite series MPO winners of any year. So that's national tour and disc golf pro tour events does not include majors. And these are standard events only. So it doesn't include match play or the tour championship tour championship, just standard singles events. And just for clarity again, and Ben, you're going to start, but it's, you said most unique winners because of this win. Most unique winners of any year goes back to 2003 when the national tour started. All right, Ben, you're up. That's got to be fiction. I don't know if I'm following him now. (laughs) He's so sure. Why? It's got to be fiction. Why is that fiction? I feel like this could be with him winning. It could be the most unique. This has been a very... What other year would have been more unique winners on the NT or Elite Series level? You also got to think that years ago, before the Pro Tour was even a thing, that there was more national tour events because the Pro Tour wasn't a thing. So now, you know, say you go back to 2012, how many national tours were there? And was there a different winner at every single one of them? So here, this is now me gaming the system, and I'm going to give my answer. But I, I want to say that's a stat. And the reason is, like, I'm thinking to myself, it has to either be close to a stat or a stat because he looked this up for some reason. I don't think he just pulled this out, like, for no, like, it had to be close. Or I guess maybe he just had the question and he had to go fill that, you know, scratch that itch. And maybe he's like, yeah, I'm way wrong. But I'm going to go with stat. There, I said it. Nick, you're up. I'm going to go fiction. Oh, man. All right. So two versus one. Let's see what happens here. Uh, Fiction. I will say this has been on our radar since maybe like May. People have been, oh, just there's been a lot of different winners, not just MPO only. FPO had a lot of different winners, especially factoring in Silver Series. So we have been keeping track of this all year. But this is a stat. Yes, let's go. Mm. And Mason Ford's victory was an important one because that's what set it apart uh, from the previous record, which was nine unique winners. We are now at 10 unique winners. Although I will say there's a slight asterisk because Calvin Heinberg and Ricky Wysocki shared the Ledgestone title. Uh, but Ricky's won plenty of other elite series. That was Calvin's only elite series win. So even if you do half, that still puts nine and a half on the year, which would still be the record. But I'll, if uh, you guys yeah, want a quick, in there. <laughs> quick bonus guess, what was the year that used to have the record? 2012. <laughs> I have no idea. Mm. Ben, do you have any? Okay, yeah. If, if anybody guesses say... this on the head, I'll give him a point. All right. It's It's got to be like 2020 or 2014. 
Oh, the two I'll go 2014. <laughs> I'll go 2014. And I'm going to say, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. 2019. It is 2005. Whoa. Yeah, they had nine oh, unique winners from God. 14 events. Uh, and then 2004 and 2019 are tied with eight unique winners from 11 in 2004 and 16 in 2019. Well, that's pretty good. All right. So I, I, like I said, I'm started gaming the system here. Cause I didn't know the answer. I was like, I don't know. It's 2005. I was just like, where does this question come from? Why are they thinking about yeah. it? Okay. Uh, next question, Evan. All right. Uh, Paige Pierce finished 13th at music city, meaning, meaning she has now finished outside the top 10 in FPO more times than she has won worlds ever, ever finished more times out of the top 10 ever than she has won worlds so that would be saying and i'm just talking through this that up to this point if this was a true stat that she had only placed outside the top 10 ever four times am i reading that Six. stat correct yeah it, or five times it's saying she has she has finished outside the top 10 more which would be six times yeah this one put it over is, is what the stat's saying oh, man that would be mind-blowing to me that she wouldn't have placed out of the top 10 more than five times. And again, just to be clear, before I answer, this is ever in her FPO career. Yes. All right. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going mm. stat. I'm going stat. This is a a yeah, this is a crazy one. I'm going stat. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, sorry. It's going around. No, you're good. I'm going to go fiction. All right, yeah, man. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Nick on this one. It's got to be fiction. If we're going based on her whole career, <laughs> that's what I was like, mind blown. But I and don't she know. she's had a very long career. I mean, PDGA since 20, 2006. So I just want to be clear: so we have the the game right. So Ben, you were saying that uh, she has not finished outside the top ten more times than she has won worlds. It's a little, it's it, because it's it fiction. It's a little tricky and it's backwards. <laughs> How many times do you think Paige has lost Ben? More than five times? I mean, uh, lost, uh, placed oh, worse wow. than 10. Yeah, we'll go with fiction still. Okay. So stat is saying that she has finished outside yeah. the top 10 more times than she has won. Worlds. But, but also is that saying that like, this was the one that put her over the edge? Is that what we're saying? Or uh, I'll, uh. I'll say that any, like that she is over. Because maybe yeah. she was like, she's done that like 25 times and you're just throwing a stat out. I'll, I'll like loop this. that all together just to <laughs> get rid of that funky business. Just okay. Yeah. Anybody wants to change? No, we're good. Now we'll leave it. Okay, we're going to leave it, which you would have to do technically to beat me, I feel like. So you have to leave it if you want to, or at least tie me. Because it's two for me, one for Ben, zero for Nick. <laughs> Let's see how this plays out. Evan, what's the answer? It is fiction. Oh, no. <laughs> This was Let's only the go. third time she has ever finished outside the top 10 in FPO. What? Wow. Say that again. She has only finished outside the top 10 in an FPO event three times, including Music City Open. She has finished exactly 10th two more times, but that's not outside the top 10. That is the top 10. <laughs> she finished 11th, and, and they're all recent too. Uh, so 13th at 2020 Music City, 11th at 2021 Texas State, and then 13th at 2020 Waco, which was the first time it ever happened. Wow. Good Lord. So Insane. I'm playing against a very competitive person, Ben Calloway. We have to do a tiebreaker because ties are not a thing for a competitive natured person. So 
What, oh boy. Yeah, what stat can you give us or pull up through your nice, awesome little database there that you could just think up a question and you can get the answer and we have to guess? Anything? Uh, yeah, give me one second. Okay, one second on the board. No. Here's, well, excuse me, time. I'll be right back. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're out of this, anyways, Nick. <laughs> um, so, Evan searching. Um, ben, solid play. Was that a part of your game plan? You said, I have to guess fiction to have a chance here. I mean, it just, it, it seemed, it, I went with my gut. It just seemed like fiction. So you, okay. So you really felt like, you felt like the fiction was that she hadn't ever placed outside of top 10 more than five times. Or you felt I like. I mean, I've been playing disc golf as long as, uh, as Paige's career, uh, pretty much. And, and watching how good of a player she is, how dynamic she is. So, wow. I mean, it, she's. She's just that good of a player, and I just I felt like, yeah, she probably right. hasn't. Wow, incredible! All right, Evan, have we given you enough time? Yeah, I have one that never got used. Oh, uh, because oh boy, yeah, just it was it was ready for a previous show. Um, so here's the here's the uh, statement: Every single Disc Golf Pro Tour Tour Championship winner has also won Green Mountain Championship at some point in their career. Okay, I'm just breaking it down again. Pro Tour Tour Championship, like the finale? The finale, okay. the Tour Championship. Okay, the Tour Championship. If they won Can that... Can we get the winners? Every Now nah, you gotta know. Uh, every <laughs> single winner <Yeah>. has at <laughs> some point won Green Mountain Championship during their career. All right, so I'm thinking through my head who the winners are here. I need some music or something. Do, 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 do. What, was the, what, was the, uh, what was the question one more time? <laughs> oh, gosh. Give it okay. to Nick. Every single yeah, Disc Golf Pro Tour then tour championship or the finale winner has won green mountain championship at some point in their career. Is this including FPO? Yes. Okay. Oh, MPO wow. And FPO. Ooh, that's an interesting stat because there's been some recent history this year. That's <laughs> like we've had. Okay. Um, how many pro tour championships okay. have there been? Since 2016. Dang it, why'd oh. you have to give that to him, Oh, Sorry. <laughs> no, good point. <laughs> no, but but are you including all of them since the inception of the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Like, in because they've been in different formats. Uh, yes. Okay, so all of them. Yes. If you've won a Disc Golf Pro Tour championship. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is going to come down to whatever 2016's winner was. Okay. I can tell you who that is, but I, I won't. The problem is we're going to have another tie, <sighs> I think. So do you want to answer first, Ben, or do you want me to answer first? I'll give you that option. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with fiction based on my gut because okay. if I knew if I knew who won in 2016 I feel I feel more confident but I'm gonna go with fiction. I'm glad you said fiction because I felt like we'd have another tie. I was going with stat, so I'm glad you said that because okay. it just makes it easier. We'll see how this plays out. What do we wait, got? Wait, wait, oh, wait. Nick wants to I make wait, a hold guess. On. All right. I want to I want to answer because to answer Ben's question, you guys can't change your answers now. By the way, <laughs> um, 2016, in. Paul Macbeth won it. It was actually held in Vermont that year, the Pro Tour Championships, when it was more that like if you win your card, you advance. Uh, uh, I, uh, I might I might not have heard this, Evan. You said whoever wins the Green Mountain Championships has won a Pro Tour finale. Is that uh, kind of how the question was? Uh, or whoever's won yeah. Green Mountain. If you've won a Tour Championship, you have also won a Green Mountain Championship. Now, is that talking Green Mountain before it was an Elite Series event? It's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell you why it's fiction. Oh, snap. Okay, so Nick, you're out of this, but do you want to make a guess, Nick? 
Just I mean, I know it's it. fiction. Okay, so, oh, no, it's fiction. Okay, so, well, yeah, oh, just yeah, to say yeah, it one it more time, it's all the t- yes. uh, tour championship yes. winners, have, have they won, won yes. GMC at some I got point? it. All right, I've said stat. Oh. Ben says fiction. Yeah, oh, okay. I, it seemed like you had it yeah, opposite. Yeah, Nick had it backwards. Yeah. Okay. I had it I had it opposite. Oh, God. So, uh, it's okay. We put you up there as fiction. Let's see right. how it goes. I'm going to I'm gonna go to, to stat. <laughs> yeah. All right. It is a stat. Oh, baby. I feel horrible. I should not do that to our guests. I feel horrible. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll I'll run it through real quick. In uh, 2016, Paul Macbeth uh, and Katrina Allen won. Macbeth won GMC in 2019. Katrina Allen won in 2015 when it was not a Pro Tour and 2016. Uh, In 2017, Wysocki won the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship with Paige Pierce. Wysocki won Mm -hmm. a four-time GMC winner from 2013 to 2016. Pierce won in 2017 and 2020. And then in 2018 and 19, Chris Dickerson won. But in 2018, Sarah Hokum won. Uh, Dickerson just won the GMC this year. Hokum won the GMC in 2019. Uh, then repeat winners in 2019 was Dickerson and Katrina Allen. We already went over them. And then in 2020, the tour winners were Kevin Jones and Haley King. Kevin Jones won GMC in mm-hmm. 2020. And Haley King picked up the win this year in 2021. Yep. I'm not going to lie. I just made, you know, a best guess because I was like, I was going through Haley and Kevin Jones and Chris Dickerson. And I was like, I'm sure I can't remember, but obviously I think Paige probably won. And I, so I was starting to go through some of it and I just made a best guess. It could have went either way. I somehow luckily won this. Um, Ben, we hope you will come back on the show sometime. Uh, But let's close out stat or fiction. That was cool. Uh, Ben, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. Is there anything we missed talking about that would be beneficial or cool for everybody to hear about? Any big announcements or news coming up or no? Just generally. Uh, Unfortunately, I have nothing right now, but (laughs) hey, maybe uh, the next time I come on, we can talk about it. Hey, We would love to. Now that we have your contact and you're talking to us. No. Just <laughs> our so, people finally was able to reach yeah. out to Ben's people and we were able to set up an awesome show. <laughs> good times, there Ben. Good times. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on the show. I hope you have a good evening and good competition coming up. Uh, I'm generally rooting for everybody. Like I said, we hope you try your best. That's how I'll put it. <laughs> but the discraft guys more than the other people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, Nick, yeah. Nick will say that, you know, that's Nick's thing. I'm just saying in yeah. general. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. <laughs> we're glad it. that you were joined us, Ben, and uh, we're going to let you go and have a good evening. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. All have a right. great Peace. Night. Peace. You too. All right, everybody, Ben Calloway. What an awesome, uh, fun time. That guy is very professional. I feel like. At the very least, that's what he brings. But he also is extreme. I still remember his performance at GBO this year. Um, Just some of the shots he pulled off to have to stay where he was at in the competition. Incredible. Um, Yeah. So let's do this, Nick, because we've gotten to a point where it makes sense to do this. Um, Let's go ahead and give thanks to the people for the businesses, the products who are supporting the Nick and Matt show. So let's get to it. They have a product, Manscaped, all the way from Australia to Houston. There's this problem. I was just down near Houston, Nick. I was only like four hours away from Houston, and that's far away from home. Oh, no kidding. But I had Manscaped product with me, and it's cordless. And all the time that I was in this storm work, doing what I was doing for Hurricane Ida restoration, 
The product was very helpful for me. Uh, it's hard to get into now, but all the living conditions we had and scenarios there, sometimes we didn't have an opportunity to plug anything into the wall. So it was battery powered. Mm -hmm. It's waterproof. It went through the hurricane just fine. Um, but so kick your problems to the next planet, your, your grooming problems with the performance package 4.0. Um, join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Get ready for takeoff by going to Manscaped. 20% off free shipping with this code. Uh, Nick and Matt. Nick and Matt will get you 20% off. Nick, this product working for you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's awesome. It's comfortable. It's easy to use. And, you know, like Matt said, if you use our code, you get 20% off of the performance package, which comes with the lawnmower, the weed whacker. Um, also, I mean, I've said this before, Manscaped sent us some cologne, some clothing. It's all super comfortable. It smells good. And it's just, like I said, it's very easy to use. It's been a very nice product to have sponsor the show and to also get more involved into the disc golf community in general. If you've noticed on the other Foundation Podcast Network podcasts that they've also been sent the same packages and you're going to hear the same thing from all of us. It is a very, very good product. I have used, as you just brought up, the cologne. I used the cologne uh, for a date the other night and I was happy with it. Uh, I'd have to ask my yeah. wife, as I said before, she says, it smells like you've been freshly manscaped. <laughs> so girlfriends <laughs> get this for yeah. your men, wives get this for your men. Yeah. Um, it'll smell like they're freshly exactly. manscaped and maybe they will be. Uh, the products are good for us. Go check it out. Nick and Matt, 20% off. Uh, it's a great product. Uh, I'll leave it at that. And let's go ahead and jump into our closing out segments i say closing out everyone knows that means 20 more minutes <laughs> so at least at least yeah. uh but we're back yeah we've had two weeks off we're generally um about a two-hour show we have two weeks off yeah. does that mean we're going six hours i don't think so Evan nope absolutely not matt you've been you've been traveling so much lately that you i'm sure you need a break yeah, yeah it's kind of true uh hit up the fair today uh the big e yeah, have you ever that? been to the big e yeah. before no, I unfortunately wow. never got a chance to go. I mean, that's a lie. I probably actually went as a kid. My parents used to take us to all the fairs. And so I probably went as a kid, but in my adult life, I never got a chance to get out to it for some other reason. But I used to love going to like the Sterling fair, the Spencer fair, the big, or uh, those two fairs. They were awesome. I spent a stupid amount of money at them though. So maybe that's why I don't go. I should not talk about the money I spent on food today and rides. It's, it's an exorbitant yeah. amount. It's honestly, but it's, anyways. I had, yeah. I started out and we're just doing this little side topic here. And anytime you want Evan jump in on any of this stuff, <laughs> I had to start out at about like 1030 this morning, a Texas brisket sandwich with baked beans and coleslaw. Really good at the fair. It was really good. Uh, then we went over and had like, now everyone's going to, uh, let me get the chat to answer this. And if you're listening post, are you driving around in your car or listening at work? I'm not going to read the chat. Okay. What do you call, and I think it's a Greek food entree spelled g-y-r-o i call it gyro i know there's a whole song out there <laughs> hero hyro gyro like i don't know how you're going to answer that question everyone's going to spell out g-y-r-o but evan how what do you call that food well first was the sandwich was it heavier on the outside than it was on the inside whoa that, that's a joke at a whoa as in that's what mvp does <laughs> they're gyro oh. those are gyro is what MVP does with their desks. There's this overmold. Uh, I would say it's a euro, but I still might not be pronouncing it perfectly. But I'm pretty confident it's not gyro. Is <laughs> at least where I'll go. Nick, do you have any say? Have you had that entree before? 
I have actually, I get it. There's a food truck that always comes to green mountain championships that has them. And I had one, one of the nights of fall fest, they're delicious and they're great, but <laughs> I, I don't know the exact way to pronounce it. So I'm just going to say, I call it a gyro, just like I call it a gif. I don't call yes. it a gif. I call it a gif. It's and just... that's, you know, like I say, God, not jod. I say gif, not jif. And I say gyro, not gyro or euro or okay. anything like that. I say what's, I say what's easy for me to say. I'm, Wait a second. I'm with you on gif uh, or a gif though. I, I think it's gif, not jif. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not here to make fun of Nick, but here we go. Do you really say gyro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. I and I know that's wrong, but I'm like, yo, I'm gonna go get a guy over at the food truck real quick. I actually like, love it. I think, yeah, I think I think I'd said Paul and I had them. I think last year or two years ago at GMC, and we were obsessed with it. And so then this year when we were at Fall Fest, uh, I was like, yo, I'm starving right now. And I think he said he's like, oh, the Euro truck or the Giro truck, whatever it was. And I was just like, I'm gonna go. Be I was like, is that a gyro? I mean, that's that's what I want. I then, want a gyro. <laughs> chat is saying hero we're just gonna keep laughing hero euro yeah. gyro 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 i was yeah, starting Daniel to cry over gyro. here okay so i had one of those and i wasn't eating these all by myself i was sharing them with the family um and then we went from there what did we have right after that um it, what did we have? Oh, a baked potato with like all of the fixins. It was like butter, sour cream, bacon bits, uh, the loaded one, ch oh, those chives. Are my favorite. Like I, I say, fully loaded. I like onions and all that other stuff, but it like had cheese. Like it was like nacho cheese on there. It was just really good. Shared that. So like that was before like noon. I had all of that. At least some of that. That's the fair experience. Um, they have everything deep fried that you would want under the sun too. That was a side topic. <laughs> man yeah Let's... that had nothing to do with disc golf sorry <laughs> how about leave a comment and now my voice is cracking yeah leave a comment if you enjoyed jordan castro is just laughing in our chat i don't know what people are laughing about but it's funny um okay so <laughs> i'm so sidetracked called it a greek taco a greek taco that. honestly that might be the most accurate uh yeah. description so Leave a comment if you like the side topic where it didn't have yeah. anything to do with disc golf, but we were disc golfers talking about a topic. Okay, let's jump into it. I think it's really actually big, biggest, biggest news since we had our last show. That might be a hot take. I don't know. But the Pro Tour finale that we talked about, the championship, announced a huge payout increase. And when I say huge, jumped 5,000 more for each winner up to 30 thousand dollars both for mpo and fpo which is holding true to their whole let's be equitable across divisions uh, and again this is not a topic on what you think about that because that's i'm not really prepared to talk about that right now but that is what they're doing a uh, second place nick second place getting fifteen thousand. evan is there any way and i'm putting you on the spot to find out what the is that in your opinion the highest ever second place payout ever has there ever been anything that's even close to that I gotta assume so. I do remember Paige Pierce has a ten thousand dollar second place finish. That was okay. last year at yep. the Tour Championship. Paul, Paul got ten thousand for Worlds this year. Second, second place. place. Okay, but so that's my point. Is fifteen thousand is yeah. beating out anybody's ever even second place. Yeah. In third place, we know doesn't beat out every payout for first place other events. Meaning ten thousand. We know that there are events paying out higher than ten thousand, as we just mentioned. But that's incredible. First and second being higher than any other than any other first place payout. 
at any other event. Um, all the way down to, just to read them out here, 10,000 for third, 8,000 for fourth. Again, equitable across divisions. Um, if you, that's for the finals. You make it to the finals, that's what you're getting paid, one of those top four. If you make it through round three, you get $5,000, just making it through to round three. Round two, you get 3,000. Round one, you get 2,000. So just showing up, you get $2,000. Uh, 10,000 is the highest second place prize ever. Uh, the only times it's happened was the tour championship last year and worlds this year for Macbeth. So Evan, three you, total times. You're very quick with that. And I'm very glad you're here in studio and you're able to do that for us. Do you want to just take a moment to tell us how you did that? Because that's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if you just use a database uh, and then you can make queries to look that things up. So but you say just make up. a database. Does it, is this something that Statmando has that you're using? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Statmando's database. So uh, you just have to look up. I, I did where place equals two and cash is greater than $9,999. So that was. Wow. Nick. And I, I mean this as total compliment to Statmando. We have made it, Nick. We have a stat department here in studio um, doing this for us. So that is incredible. Yeah. So that's it's it. Amazing. There you go. Highest ever. Was well, I, think, 10, I think Evan, I don't, I don't remember if you guys had posted it on Twitter, but someone had posted, I'm pretty sure it was you guys. You had posted that how many players are getting their highest earned cash for even making the Pro Tour um, championships. That they've gotten in their career was that was that you guys uh, who posted this big one? I think that one you're thinking of though was PDGA stats. Maybe uh, it was. The Pro Tour dropped their uh, payouts or their future payouts for that event. Uh, just anyone that made it, uh, they looked it up and figured it out. Wow. Maybe so that's what it was. Then. Continuing the conversation here, just to put it into perspective, two hundred and fifty a quarter million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand. That's what that is. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, Total purse payout at one event. That, if we just take a moment and consider that, is mind-blowing. And here's why. 2021 PDGA Worlds previously was the largest tournament payout purse. And it was, ready for this? And I'm not going to give you the exact number. It was $75,000 less. This is not just a little bump. This is significant. $75,000 more than the previous highest, which was Worlds this year. And then if you go back mm -hmm. to the Tour Championship last year, okay, 2020, for the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship, you ready for this? It was $120,000 less, $120,000 less just from last year. What has happened in Disc Golf? This is where, I, where I'm going with it, to talk and discuss. What has happened in disc golf that has made that something that can even happen? Um, and what does it mean for the sport that payouts are getting this? Because I saw a lot of pros, touring pros say like, yes, baby, like we're here. And they weren't just excited mm -hmm. about the opportunity to make more money. They believed, I think, that the sport is finally getting to a place. Like how high do we have to get for payouts? Like before we I say it's ceiling, too much money. Yeah. Like, like, no, I, well, for one, I don't think you could ever say there's too much money. Can you have a tour um, championship where you're paying out $3 million? Does that make sense? Like if we get to that point, maybe in 50, 60, 70 years, who knows? Maybe, <laughs> 50, maybe in 10 years, who knows? No, like, but I mean, I mean is like, should we be paying out? Like where, where does the limit stop where it's exorbitant? And you're like, why do we pay out this much for this event? Why is this event worth, worth that much? That's kind of my point is like, there's gotta be like, what's the strategy here? 
Yeah, what's yeah this? I guess you got to talk about what are the massive events. I mean, the Pro Tour finale is one of the few events, or it's the only event where you have to qualify for it. Uh, that's a lot at USCGC as well. But I'm saying, like, for the Pro Tour finale, in order to play it, you have to get a certain number of Pro Tour points to even be qualified to do it. So you have to play above average pretty much at every single event to make the Pro Tour list. And so now you are an elite player in the Pro Tour standings. And so I guess for that caliber of tournament, even though it's not a major or anything like that, that shows just how hard it is to get into that event. So it's a high caliber tournament at that point. USCGC being one of the biggest majors every single year, Worlds, when it starts actually traveling around the world, I think is going to be, you know, it's it's one of the most prestigious events every single year. A lot of players will talk about how life-changing winning a world championship is for them in their career. So. I mean, I don't think every single event should be paying out $3 million, $2 million, $2 million. Even right now, like, I don't think every single event should be paying out, you know, $7,500 to each winner. But I think there's a certain caliber of events that, yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to Elite Series. The, right now, we're still, like, $7,500 is a lot. And for a lot of people on the tour right now, it's incredible. It's helping to their career. But I mean, that's chump change compared to what other sports are making. So the Disc Golf Pro Tour and their team is finally making the strides of getting into talks with these, you know, mortgage companies. And then L.L. Bean just got on board with it. And uh, what was the other company? Johnsonville Sausages, I think. Hot dogs, but Yeah. So just other outside companies are finally getting into the sport. Yeah. Johnsonville added to their partners to the Pro Tour Championships along with guaranteed rates. So. <laughs> Yeah. I think just having a team of people and having the business mindset of all these things kind of clicking together. I think companies are finally starting to realize that there is a benefit into getting into disc golf. Um, I think a lot of outside sponsors will slowly start coming into the sport. I'm curious to see when we're going to see like a big clothing company, you know, like Nike or Adidas, um, Callaway, stuff like that, get into our sport. But my I was kind of being, I don't want to say rhetorical when I was asking that question, but I was trying to get, uh, you know, to, you to talk about it. And you did. I yeah. think my oh, yeah. perspective on this is that, and I see this in the chat, people are like, what are you even talking about? Yes. If the sponsors are there, if the money wants to come in, if they see the value as a sponsor, then they're going to give the money. And if the pro tour can pay it out, then they're going to pay it out. But I guess the bigger picture is here. What's the strategy, right? For the pro tour, because why do they feel like they have to up it? They they obviously went to a conversation at Guaranteed Rate and these others, and they said, here's what we want to do. Here's where we want to get the payout to. Why did the Pro Tour want to get the payout to 250000 Is that a round number? Is that why they picked two fifty, Or is it literally what Guaranteed Rate came in and said, well, we want to get you to that point? But they have put now so much value on the Disc Golf Pro Tour Finale Championship with the greatest, I believe, motivation for that is to monopolize their tour. If you put, I'm just going to throw another number out there, a million dollars down on the finale, tell me who is not going to try next year during the pro tour that maybe was like, hey, I'll just play some NTs this year or anything else. It would just magnet all of these players and say, if I'm going to focus on one, that's the one I'm focusing on. The pro tour is going to be the one to focus on, which and I think will be another that's what's reason. Happening. And this is just speculation, but like you're saying, they're monopolizing their tour. And I think, you know, that's another reason why I think the national tour will slowly fizzle out and the, the pro tour will be the pro tour and the majors. And along with the silver series events, 
um, I think there is going to be multiple areas for different pros to showcase their skill. But for monopolizing reasons, I think the Pro Tours do an incredible job of just making that the place to want to go to. And you can hear it all from the the players who talk about it all the time. They love playing the Pro Tour events more than the National Tour events currently at the moment. Um, and that just comes from Jeff Spring and his team and what they're doing for the Pro Tour and the standard that they're setting to, you know, hype up all these events. It's 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 awesome what they're doing. Evan, do you have any reaction to that? Um, well, I think one big reason where they're able to get such big sponsors is last year being on ESPN um, and having the showing multiple times. Uh, it those companies coming in the guaranteed rate Ella Bean and Johnsonville really see, Hey, this event, it's, it's not just a DGN event. It's not even just a YouTube event. Like it'll be on ESPN. People will see us through that. Like it's something we want to commit to this event specifically. Um, but also like what Nick was saying is it's, it's so important not to miss pro tour events now. I mean, what is, what is Simon thinking right now? He was pretty close to making it. And if he made MVP, you know, just if he was able to get back to the States just a couple days earlier, uh, he would have been able to play it. Like that's unfortunate. There's plenty of other guys who are on the bubble. Um, it it's just telling them, hey, like you can't miss it early on. Like if you're just like, oh, I'll hit like one or two, and then I'll I'll hit this late swing. Like kind of saying you got to hit all of them from the start. And even Silver Series, just a you know, even though they're a quarter of the points, you still want to play them just so you can drop other worse events. Yeah. What what is Simon thinking? No, I'm kidding. So here's one last take on this before we move into our last topic is <laughs> thinking through it is the title disc golf pro tour championship winner. Okay. Or disc golf pro tour champion. The mm -hmm. reason that players want to make the end or is it the money? And I know everyone's like, well, it's obvious, but if we talk worlds, would you want a world title that didn't pay out anything? Okay. As a payout. Or would you want the world title? Meaning like you could have one or the other. I would say generally you're going to be like, I want the title. Is that true with the Disc Golf Pro Tour finale in your mind? No, not to me. People aren't like, yes, I'm Disc Golf Pro Tour champion. Like it's an achievement. No, not knocking someone winning it. But I'm saying like the value of this event is in the cash. And mm -hmm. that is not wrong. But I think that's what the value is here. And that's why people are going to play the, play the Pro Tour. Which is again yeah, and, not bad. It just is what it is. And I think I think one of the other reasons, you know, when you talk about worlds versus getting that title versus making, you know, sixteen thousand five hundred dollars for the MPO side, um, for the Pro Tour Championships, it's also a different formatted event in the sense of, you know, first round you're playing with the card, you know, of people who are in the Sweet Sixteen, and then you make the Elite Eight, and then you make the Final Four, you know, top thirty-two then the sweet 16, then the elite eight, then the final four. So that the format in and of itself is different because if you're having an incredible year all year, let's say like Eagle McMahon, Calvin Heinberg, Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth, like I don't know exactly who the top four is right now in the standings, but I know Eagle and Calvin are both pretty much at the top. So they have a buy what into the, is it the semifinals or the quarterfinals now? I honestly haven't in my, off the top of my head, ready to answer that. Yeah. But. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but I think that's another case of where like yeah winning the pro tour championships is great the cash is definitely i think the incentive for it because you know let's say eagle wins it let's say eagle starts already in the elite eight because of how well he's played all year so he only has to win two rounds of that tournament when someone in the top 32 has to win four rounds and so for that person 
it's a different story being told that, hey, let's say, um, let's say Simon Lazat made it in. He was the last person to make it in and he goes on and he wins everything. Then there's a different story of like, you know, he was the number 32 player at this event and he made it all the way up and he won the event versus Eagle McMahon wins it and he only had to play two rounds. So, yeah, speaking of Simon, as I did, I said, yeah, what is Simon thinking of? Well, guess who responded to my question? Simon Lazar. Jordan Castro. No, Simon. <laughs> I'm just and so I said, what is Simon thinking? He said, I'm thinking, well, damn. <laughs> so he obviously feels like, well, well damn. damn. It would have been nice to get in. So thanks for stopping in, Simon. And congratulate. This did not make it in my news list here of things that I wanted to talk about. One, because it's, you know, it's a personal thing, but he's made it public. Him and his fiance are expecting their first child. Congratulations, dude. I'm very happy. Their first boy. <clears throat> very happy. Little, little, a little crush up. boy is coming into the disc golf world. No, I'm super excited. The, uh, the video that Jomez did with him was super awesome. I remember it was before round two of green mountain championships. And they have this cool little like five minute clip of Simon and Natalia talking about it. And it was awesome. It was just a great video. Great dude. Simon's the man. Natalia's an incredible person. So Simon, you're going to, if you're still there, you're going to probably laugh at this a little bit. And I feel a little funny saying it, but when you showed up after coming out of Canada and you showed up and did that first throw, the honorary throw at MVP, um, right before that happened, I looked over and I felt like Natalia was like either touching her belly or like saying something to Joey Tamale. And I'm looking over and I'm like, well, dang, I'm like, she kind of seems like she might be pregnant, but you never say that. Never do not. You will be the worst person in the world if you're wrong. And it's not something to assume yeah. anyways. But I thought to myself, I'm like, well, that's could be well. And then it was literally two days later or one day later it was announced. So it was really cool. Um, congratulations again, Simon on that. All right. Moving into our last topic. Jordan has been really active in the chat though. Nick, you weren't far off saying that Jordan answered when I no, said, I, when I, I was saying it as a joke, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last topic, you ready? And we are over our two hours, but some people are like, give us the bonus topic. Here we go. US DGC. We talked for literally 30 seconds before we went tonight. I'm going to give Nick an option to talk, Evan an option to talk. I'm going to talk what in the world is going on with US DGC every single year. And the premise for this topic is that it was released, I think it was whole nine. Uh, we've talked about People have coined them mozzarella sticks. Arby's even got in on the fun marketing last year or two years ago with like, yeah. hey, we've got mozzarella sticks with disc golf, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But these are these are like large, extra large mozzarella sticks. Excuse me. And they are in front of a tee pad. And Jordan can give me the exact footage because he's in the he, chat. He's at 20 feet but it's yeah. Oh, 20 feet away. Okay. I was yeah, going to say, if I had to guess, it was inside of 40 feet for sure but I didn't know if it was 30 or closer, but so maybe up to 20. And if you haven't seen the picture, go look around social media. It's probably on Reddit. It's probably on Facebook, Twitter. It's making its round. Just look at disc golf people you follow. Maybe go find Jordan Castro. I don't know. Um, this is an interesting topic because there's a lot of different feelings on this and what is considered the most prestigious event in disc golf does this kind of thing. I'm seeing people use words like this is now no longer the most prestigious. I don't watch this event anyways. It's a joke. Uh, it should be called the Innova Invitational. Um, maybe they don't want to run the event. And so they're trying to do things that are so crazy. So people like stop, you know, giving them this title. I have heard everything 
but most of it is not good. I'm going to let you guys talk about it. I'll think about it. I have some things I think I want to say, but what do you got, Nick? Uh, <laughs> I mean, when I saw Jordan's picture earlier, picture earlier, I was like, this might be one of the dumbest things that I've seen happen on a disc golf course. Um, Cree putting what five or six sticks, 20 feet in front of the tee pad to make a wide open hole, just a little bit harder, but at the same time, just, it looks so stupid. And I'm just going to hot take this because there's not really much more for me to say, except it looks really, really dumb. USDGC needs to move away from Winthrop Golds. I think for years and years and years, we loved the, you know, the inside the ropes and everything like that at USDGC, the yellow ropes, whatever, the gold ropes, whatever you want to call it. And I think with how much stupid crap they're adding and how much they're changing certain holes to try to make them more difficult and putting a triple Mando or a double Mando 450 feet, 500 feet down a fairway. Like I, I just, at this point it's, I go to it every so often because it's fun to watch live in person, any big event, doesn't matter what the course is, but at the same time, when I watch it on video, I'm just like, this is what I get to tell people is one of the most prestigious events of the year, every single year. And I don't know. I think we need to figure out a new place for USDGC and maybe USDGC becomes a rotating tournament every single year. Who knows? But yeah, no, I, I hate it. I think it's very, very stupid. Okay. Well, that was Nick's take. Very, very stupid. Um, let's go yeah. over it to Evan. Wicked take. dumb. Yeah, wicked. It's wicked, <laughs> wicked dumb. dumb. All right, let's hear what yeah. Evan. I didn't prep you on this or tell you no. going to, but I'm interested if you have any insights from your perspective. Yeah, I saw the picture before the show, so I have some ideas. Uh, I I really like multi-dimensional courses, uh, and we see a lot of courses that are kind of all open, all wooded. It's really cool when we get ones that are a mix of both. So I think their idea is to have a a tough shot off the tee, which I think they don't have a ton of like tough gaps to hit off the tee, if I, if any. So I like the sentiment that they're trying to make, that they're trying to make you think off the shot and think where your throw is coming out of your hand instead of where it's landing. Uh, but that being said, I think it, it, it doesn't look the best uh, for being one of the premier majors of the year. It's, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't embody what disc golf is to a lot of us, which is, you know, seeing beautiful uh, trees and just other nature. Um, and so I, I would love for them to find ways to have that same, you know, added difficulty with making it look a little bit better. And I, th I think in that picture, it looked like they had some kind of Ivy going around it. So that's definitely a step up from where it used to just be, you know, the monster L sticks were just wood. And I think one year they put some colors on it, but I think the Ivy does make it look a little bit better, but you can just clearly see the tops of it cut off. So it's still, you know, it isn't what I would picture being the best. Um, I think as as far as Nick's point, I think it it it's a tough situation because USDGC is very, very iconic. The course, you know, it's been played at the same place for over 20 years now and people love it. Um, but it's a college campus and it's it's a little tough to say that's your most premier course um, when when disc golf doesn't really have control over it. Um, and, you know, Winthrop seems like they, they love disc golf and they, you know, put a lot of effort towards it. Um, but it's, you know, places like Maple Hill, you know, even though it's a Christmas tree farm, disc golf's at the forefront. Uh, and so I think it's good to see courses that are really meant to be for disc golf the best. Um, but that's not to be a huge knock on it. I still, 
I think it's cool off the tee and they're trying to do the best they can. So I can appreciate that fact. All right, Evan, you can appreciate it. I think your points are valid as well. I think Nick's points are interesting. No, they're valid. I just, here's a little bit into me. I generally default because of life's experience. I generally default to supporting a planning event team. It does not give them the golden ticket. That doesn't mean everything they do is good. But the people who are planning this event have been around disc golf a long time, number one. They've run a successful event to make it the most prestigious ever in the history of disc golf events, and players have said that for years. You ask, what's the most prestigious? It's that one. That doesn't mean it can't change over the years, and maybe that's what's happening, right, over the last couple of years up till this year but it's one hole and everyone's gonna say well what about the hole this hole and that hole that have them incorporated i agree there's more uh, artificial modification than i think would be the way we want the optics to be um but and i think i heard this talked about one of our um podcasts here on the foundation podcast i think it was uh, brody and hunter maybe it was debate night or some other, it was some other, whatever. It was on this channel. <laughs> Go listen and check them out. They talked about like, what could we incorporate for sponsorships? Like, had they done some, have you seen like any, um, trying to think inflatable arches, like for running, for instance, have you ever done like a running race and those big inflatable arches overarching the starts and the finishes? What if they got like a much bigger one or like massive one and like did advertising said like, you have to throw through here. Does that make it look gimmicky or is that like actually really smart like sponsorships? Now, I'm getting off topic a little bit because I'm talking about artificial modification. I think my general takeaway on this whole is that if I was doing it, I would either move the pen or move the T-pad. If both of those options aren't available, and maybe that's the case, I haven't talked to them to accomplish what they're trying to do with scoring separation or how they want the shot to play. Maybe this was an option. Obviously it was an option. I don't think it was the right option. I will say that. Do I think that players tend to get amped up easily over things like this? Yes, because they care about the sport. I get it. Play the hole. And hopefully you don't hit one of them. <laughs> like it's that's honestly, that's one of my other takeaways is like, yeah, there, you should be able to throw it through those. But like, and to your point, Evan, can you say this? You said this earlier off air. I don't know if you'll say it on air. <laughs> what, what do you have any concern that people might see this? <laughs> uh, well, you want things to look good for uh, spreading, you know, the love of disc golf and how cool the sport is. Uh, so, you know, new fans who just turn on the channel and see it, you know, you want them to be like, wow, that looks really cool. And I think, you know, the mozzarella sticks and the, the you know, fake uh, the rods off the tee don't really embody that the best. But I mean, it is behind a paywall. Uh, <laughs> so with that, you could say it's going to be mostly, you know, hardcore disc golfers who are who are like committing money to watch this. And so they're not going to get turned off by the sport when they see it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think we should try to have disc golf you know, spread it as much as possible and, and kind of show what the sport truly is. Um, and so I here's, I'll say my, my last piece on this. I think yeah. the, the genuineness of them trying to get players to accomplish a certain type of shot. I, if I had to guess, 
They're not saying, ha, get lucky trying to throw through these gaps. My <laughs> guess is that their thought was, how can we get players to throw higher? Okay, we want this to be a shot that has to come up higher to get where we want it to go. And you can risk it throwing through them, but if you throw over them, like, this is the shot we want to force. Like, that's fine to go through that thought process as an event uh, TD or a course designer, right? But I just think, like, you have to also look at the optics of it. You have to, especially with where our sport is at right now. And how do you answer that question? The, the event the course designer might be able to answer that question, but to the person who's watching it new going, what is this joke? They're like, well, let me tell you and explain course design. Like, you don't want to have to break it down at a super deep level for somebody to understand. Like, it should be, yeah, that looks horrible. <laughs> I get it. This is what we are trying to do. So I'm just curious. Do they actually think it looks good? Or do they think it looks bad? But they're like, we're accomplishing what we want, so it was worth it. I don't know the answer. Nick, do you have any closing thoughts on this topic, or did you say everything you wanted? <laughs> no, I mean, my, it'd be very, very hard to stray my opinion elsewhere on what I think about it. Uh, I get everyone's opinions. I just, I think it, I think it's going to look bad on camera for one. And then two, it's like, if you're going to make a man-made obstacle, like you're putting it 20 feet in front of a tee pad, but then once you clear that, the shot is, you know, what should be no problem for a lot of top pros. Pros, I think if it's only 390 feet to the basket, you know, a lot of players are throwing maybe a speed eight to speed, you know, speed 12 driver. And so every single pro playing that event should be able to hit that gap. Is someone going to hit the mozzarella sticks? Absolutely. People will. And I think on camera, it's just going to look really dumb when you see that person hit it like I, I just i can't i can't imagine that like if i was new to disc golf i can't imagine just being like oh yeah and here's a hole where they had to plant something or put something into the ground not plant something they had to put something into the ground to make the hole harder because that was the only logical explanation to somehow make that hole harder i just think that disc golf nowadays and what we've seen other courses throughout the world. I just think that Winthrop has officially been outgrown by disc golfers and where we're at in disc golf with the pro tour or just the pro scene in general, like not just the disc golf pro tour, but I think there are so many other courses out there in the world right now to where, or excuse me, in the U S to where you could host this caliber of an event and it would be successful for that area. And I think a lot of courses could have a mixture of, open shots, wooded shots, and then some technical, you know, half wooded, half open kind of things. I just, <laughs> Nick, it, it's just what, if they, yeah, it, what if they took a clear, I'm getting hypothetical here and crazy, a clear piece of plexiglass that was as wide and as high as these sticks are. So you can't see it, but it forces a shot over the top. I, you have to believe that's what they were trying to accomplish here. You're right. People can hit the gap. And I think that yeah. in general is non issue, but there will be those people that hit it because, well, they hit it. It's a chance that you would. So, like, you can take yeah. away that chance by throwing over the top. I have to believe that's what they're trying to do. I'm joking about the plexiglass. We've talked about before yeah, 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 how I, I to make, we talked about before how to make disc golf harder. And I remember somebody said, yeah. why don't we just lotion our hands up before we throw a drive? Like, that would make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. like, well, well, I think, so, yeah, we're not looking for stupid I, things, and I, I'm not going to no, call no, this no. stupid, but I do think it was just barely. I think it's stupid. I'll, I'll call it It's stupid. not. It wasn't a good choice. Um, and someone was saying earlier that we're hating on USCGC because it's an Innova event. That's absolutely false. Innova could run this event at any other course, and I would think 
if I had the same opinions, I would say the same thing. If Discraft was running it, I'd say the same thing. I'd say this and is wait a, really a second, idea. wait a second. The voice, the other voice in the room is non-Discraft at all. Like I yeah. have a couple Discraft exactly. in my bag, but mainly Innova. So there, I'll oh, leave it yeah. at that. So it's exactly. not that I think issue. I'll kind of trying to be yeah, objective. I'll say here. that if every single year we have to constantly throw up these you know, I want to call them polls. I, I hate calling them mozzarella sticks, <laughs> but if we have to constantly every single year, put up these polls or every single year, change a bunch of holes at the course, create new holes. If we are consistently having to do that every single year, then I feel like we've outgrown that course at this point. Evan's, because, uh, Evan's like, over here laughing trees, his head off. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like, and like I, so I've played the course before and when you're playing it, it's it's not super fun like I, I don't go to that course and be like oh my god i cannot wait to play the uscgc layout at winthrop golds like I, that's <sighs> not Nick, how i, I do think about i do but course. i wouldn't be able to keep up but my point is like it is historical it's, it's not even keeping up or not like yeah is it a destination tournament to play in the same layout that the pros get to play absolutely and i think about that with almost every single course of like you know i wish i could have played yarva i would love to play the beast even though those courses wouldn't set up for my game mm. particularly it is a destination course but once you've played it, okay. there's no, like, to me, there's nothing super exciting about playing that course. What about 17. the title? What about the title? 17. If you had the chance to oh, win the, the title. Yeah. That's, yeah. If I had the chance to win the title, but that's like the <laughs> same thing. Like at worlds this year, the courses weren't super awesome. I didn't care for either of them as much to be like, like, will I go back to Utah if the world championships isn't there? Probably not. Like I didn't care for the courses that much, but because the world championships yeah. was there, I a hundred percent wanted to go to it. Not that I'm you know, fighting to win world championships right now. But yeah, it, but that's what Innova has. And I talked about this with the disc golf pro tour championship. They have the money. And I will say Innova, because this is an Innova owned event, which is a whole nother topic we have talked about over the years. And it's a title. It's the most prestigious title. Is that changing? It could be, but here's the deal. They have the title. They can literally do whatever they want. And the players who are in contention at the very least are going to show up to win that title until it's so outrageous. I don't yeah, know if we have anything exactly. else to say about it. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Um, by the way, I texted Ricky earlier about his putt, his final putt, just to close this out and to come full circle with Mason Ford interview. His circle putt for the playoff to tie it, to push it to another like hole. 45 feet. Okay, 45 feet. Maybe 40 feet. I said, Ricky, well, let me actually just read it so I can quote him back. I said, um... We're going to briefly talk about the way the event finished out tonight. Do you have any input for what happened with your final putt? I felt bad asking him that, but I did. Uh, I said, it just came out of your hand, poor, you know, thanks and good luck, yada, yada. And he said, thanks. Uh, yes, just a bad putt. It slipped out of my hand. Um, so it, it slipped out of his hand. You got to believe he wanted that one back. I just mm -hmm. know there are people out there saying, how come Ricky laid up? He wanted Mason to win. Like, it's a team in of a partner and like, like, there's no way as a competitor. Like, do you see, we talked to Ben Calloway. No, do you yeah, see Ben no. Calloway laying up, like, on anything ever to be like, I'll let someone else yeah. win? No. So that, that answers that, and that clears that up if you listen this far into the show. And then just generally, one last word on, do you think the match play championships was a success? And just that. If you want to do a sentence recap, that's fine. But what did you feel about the match play championships? 
Um, I think it was successful in the sense of it was cool to actually watch match play. Um, I think they only did like a 12 hole format. The course I didn't care for. I think it was boring to watch, but at the same time, it is fun to watch the top players in the world play a different format rather than just stroke play. So it's cool to see Emerson Keith take down Ricky Wysocki. You know, a lot of people picked Eagle to win this event. It was cool to see Calvin Heimberg take down Eagle at a course that everyone thought favored Eagle more so. Um, so in that sense of it, I actually did enjoy it. I thought it was successful. I think it was the same thing with the all-star, um, weekend that they did. It's the first year of doing it, give it some time. And it's going to, I think, become a key point in disc golf. Yeah. I asked that question and it's probably because of my perspective. And again, I was away working storm, so I only caught bits and pieces of it. I was able to hear some of it, able to watch some of it. I think the response from the players that competed was very positive. I didn't see one negative response. It was like, this was amazing. The feeling on the ground was amazing. This we're going to be back every year. If we can, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that feeling translated on camera to me. And I'm not sure why it seemed not enough action. And that's weird, but that's, that's kind of how it came to me. It didn't have that like, dramatic yeah. action to it of coming in a final round uh who's going to get the right strokes to win here it was just kind of like i don't know maybe it was the 12 hole thing maybe um i don't know there's a way to build up each match to have more matches going on at the same time that they can go to it just had a slow pace to me and maybe i'm way yeah. off but that but generally the, the event sounds like it was a huge success and yeah, I like and like I idea. said, this is also this is it was the inaugural match play event. Like it was the first one of its time, and so I would say bring it to a course that seems a little bit more intriguing to watch to the average fan. Um, if you like watching golf style courses, um, players playing it, then great. Um, but it, it really was just a bombers course, and Hannah and I watched a bunch of the FPO coverage to it as well. And I, like I said, I love match play. I think it's super fun. I like to casually play it. Um, so being able to watch the top pros in the world do it, I think was fun. I'd rather see it at a better course. I think there's a ton of courses on the East coast that they could have done kind of like moving down with the tour. Um, but maybe it happens earlier in the season next year and they do it out in California at some course, but I think that was cool. I think eventually there would be, I, I think it'd be cool to do, you know, pro doubles tournaments. Um, and just saying like, you know, let's say Paul Macbeth and Adam Hammes versus Eagle McMahon and Simon Lazat. Like, I think that'd be cool. Um, stuff like that. But over the years, the way the disc golf pro tour has been moving in the direction that they're going, everything just seems to slowly get better and better and better as this team has been working on it. So I can't imagine that next year's all-star tournament and then next year's match play tournament won't be the same in that moving in that direction. Yeah. So like I said, I think it was a success. I just think it needs to, I would hope from my perspective, it would translate into more intensity, excitement and more buildup. Like when I watch the match, what was it? Tiger and um, Phil then golf yeah. PGA. I, I'm not even that big into golf. And I was like, this is awesome. Like it just had that feel. I kind yeah. of want to see. They're that. also playing okay. for a stupid amount of money. Okay. Stupid amount of money, but you know what else would kind of make it cool. And this was, you know, invite only you had to qualify. But it would be very cool to see Paul Macbeth call out Ricky or Ricky to call out Eagle and just be like, Eagle, I'm putting down $20,000. I am to go up against you. And if you lose, like you have to, you know, match that or something like 
that to me would then be like, there is like blood on the line here. Like they're calling yeah. each other out. To me, that would just be so exciting, you know, to have that instead of yeah. the, I don't want to say random matchup, but it just played out to where like Paige was playing such a lower, yeah. you know, um, placement seed that it just played out so easy. We knew, we talked about this yeah. four weeks ago. Okay, it's going to be Paige at the end and either Katrina or Haley. And on the men's side, it's going to be Eagle and Calvin or, and we had like one wild card. Like it was yeah. so obvious to me with where disc golf was at. So anyway, I mean, I want to let, Evan, to I wanna let Evan get something in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Go I mean, the uh, Emerson Keith upsetting Ricky was uh, super exciting. Like watching that happen. Like it, it like Ricky looks stressed at the end of those kind of. So, uh, you know, unfortunate for Ricky to lose, but also really exciting for Emerson to come out with a win. Uh, there's a few like really close matchups that were going down at the end and kind of had some swings. Like Chris Dickerson almost lost it the first round. I think he was like up two strokes and like had to barely win on the 12th. Uh, like Eric Gerthy over Kevin Jones was really exciting. Uh, I, there, there was a lot of good match uh, matches and I absolutely loved it. I think it, the course was kind of one dimensional. Um, you know, we love seeing long shots like the Eagle shot was insane and was shared everywhere mm -hmm. for good reason. Uh, mm -hmm. but I like seeing multiple kinds of shots. So it's not, doesn't necessarily have to be a new property, but, uh, just a little bit more time with the, the, um, the layout. It, it did feel like the layout for FPO wasn't super good at translating to their games. I think there's a couple holes where it was just every, no one was going for it. Cause it was just a little bit out of their range, but it was totally within all their range to just get an easy three. And with match play, especially 12 holes, you want pretty much every hole to be a separator hole. You don't really want the game to just be going for threes on the hole, but I, I love the, yeah. I think it's going to grow. It, like you said, it could be in California next year. It could be early in the season. They could do different kind of things with it mm -hmm. for a first year mm -hmm. run. I, I loved it. I think it has a huge future. So agreed. I yeah. agree. We all yeah, agree. Yeah. That's good. Nick, I, about 50 minutes ago, maybe 40, I said, we're about to wrap up. So we've officially done what we normally do. We're about to wrap up and yep. we gave it another 45 minutes or whatever. So, Hope you guys appreciate it. Wrap up. We've been gone for a, a long time. It was necessary. It is what it is. But Nick and I are back. Yeah. We are going to keep bringing you this content, hopefully, that you do enjoy. It was great having Evan in studio tonight. As always, he's always invited. Statmando provides us the best stats. You're hearing about them more often. Disc Golf Pro Tour stuff uh, all over the map. Follow them on Statmando. Nick, go ahead and close us out. I don't even know if I remember how to. I'm just kidding. Hey, everybody, appreciate you coming in tonight, tuning in live. Also, don't forget to check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. To anyone listening in the future, we really appreciate you listening as well. Go ahead on YouTube, subscribe to the Foundation Podcast Network. Leave a like, leave a comment. Tell us what we should talk about next. One thing that I want to talk about is maybe one day they do this cool thing called the Manufacturer's Cup, where the top three from each manufacturer play each other. I think that'd be pretty fun. Um, but anyways, like, subscribe, comment. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, Evan, you're awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.